get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. to get to the puck and clear it out. They chip it ahead to Cairo. Partial break. He's in. He shoots. He scores! Jordan Cairo. Top of the circle inside the far post. To Cairo. He's in. He shoots. He scores! He tucked it in like you're putting your teddy bear to bed. Blues bring it in. Cairo shoots. He scores! What an effort by Jordan Cairo. He muscled up on the puck and then he dropped the weights behind the goalie. That is the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, as we have officially made it to All-Star Weekend in the National Hockey League. Welcome everyone into our Friday edition of BK and Ferrario. No BK today. If you're wondering if the man made it out of St. Louis, he, of course, had to send us a picture, T-Bone, of palm trees and a pool because you know he's too much of a wimp to be at the beach. He'd rather show us a picture of the pool, but he did make it out of St. Louis, and he is in Orlando for the next, what, five days. Yeah, and what stinks is I knew he was going to send the picture. I should have muted the group chat. Should have muted the group chat, and, you know, I, I consider myself a good guy, T-Bone. Um, I know that might surprise a lot of people, but... I was hoping that he didn't get to go. I was hoping that he was going to selfishly be stuck here with us in the winter wonderland. But yeah. he didn't. He made it into and, Orlando. And how about this? The audacity on your guys' two-year friendship anniversary on Facebook. He's not even here. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Can you believe? Can you believe? He not only sent us the picture of the beach where he took a vacation a month after he already took a vacation for his honeymoon. But then he sends me another text and say, happy two-year friendversary. That's BK. He's such a caring guy. But he's in Orlando. That's all right, though. Your your guy T-Bone and Alex Ferrario, we're with you for the rest of today, Monday and Tuesday. BK will be back on Wednesday. I, of course, am still broadcasting from my studio underneath my staircase in High Ridge because I just didn't want to take the chance. T-Bone, you're still the man. You still decided to uh, take on the weather. I took the chance, and I'm still a champion. Now, that may Look change that. on the way home, but still a champion for now. As Carrie Underwood once said, heart of a champion. But Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario, as I mentioned, you heard Jordan Cairo highlights in the open. He is the man of the hour, the man of the weekend for the St. Louis Blues because he is participating in the All-Star game, was voted in, 
And then on top of it, he's also participating in the skills competition. He tonight is going to be in the fastest skating skills competition. And listen to some of these names he's going to be competing with, Timon. You got Chris Kreider from the New York Rangers. He Adrian got him. Kempe. Yeah, well, I think he does have him. I'm a little surprised Kreider's in that. Adrian Kempe from the Kings. Kyle Connor from the Jets, Evgeny Kuznetsov from the Capitals, Dylan Larkin from Detroit, Kale McCarr from Colorado, and Connor McDavid from the Edmonton Oilers. So fascinating to see him in this company, T-Bone. And I was thinking about this last night. If Jordan Cairo participates in this, and this isn't the first time he's participated in the fastest skating competition. A couple of years ago in the American Hockey League, uh, he was at their All-Star Weekend, and he participated and came in second in the fastest skating competition. If Jordan Kyra goes out and performs this evening on the skills competition and, you know, gets beat by a Connor McDavid, but he beats out a Dylan Larkin, a Kyle Connor, a Kale McCarr, what does that do for the Blues' identity? Because Jordan Kyra obviously has speed. Robert Thomas has speed. Ivan Barbashev has speed. Uh, I personally believe Pavel Buchnevich has speed. If Jordan Kyra goes out there and shows that, that he is one of the fastest skaters in the National Hockey League, I think that starts to change the people's opinion of the identity of this Blues team. Now, they still like to play the physical play. They still like to be the the rough and tumbling four-check team. They have those guys, Braden Shen, David Perron, Ryan O'Reilly. But I think you have to start talking about a Blues team that is considered a speed team. And Jordan Cairo might put that on the map for the Blues. Yeah, and that's a good point because, you know, when you think of the St. Louis Blues, and we even get the text, you know, they got to play physical hockey. This team's identity has shifted since the 19 Cup run. They have become more of a speed team, and you and Jordan Cairo is going to kind of showcase that tonight in Las Vegas because he's going to be in that the fastest skater competition, and he's going to go up against the likes of Connor McDavid, who's the, like the first name you think of when you say fastest skater in the National Hockey League. Who do you think of? Connor McDavid's one of those guys. So he's going to be showcasing his speed. It kind of shows you the changing of the guard, which we've talked about this season for the Blues going from that physical heavy body team to okay we're going to play this offensive minded we're going to be risk it for the biscuit using our speed and that's what the st louis blues are and it's now being showcased at the all-star weekend in las vegas yeah and i love this perception too with that because you know the blues have to be physical if they want to win hockey games but you know i mean if jordan kyger can go out here and perform with his speed i think that really does change the opinion of the blues and let's be honest what we have seen this season from this blues team and what has won them hockey games has been their speed the ability to skate through the neutral zone i mean even craig berube talked about it a couple of weeks ago of why the team was so successful in the second period and he said it's because on those changes the blues can utilize their speed from the neutral zone and create odd man rushes so Jordan Cairo has an opportunity to really put the Blues on the map. You know, I don't know the last time, T-Bone, that I could sit here and say, well, the Blues were a fast team. I mean, that's even what happened with Robbie Fabry. Robbie Fabry didn't mesh with this Blues roster and wanted to be traded because he was playing on a third or fourth line role because they were playing that physical brand of hockey. And we've talked about how the NHL is a copycat league. When you talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, when you talk about the um, Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, these teams take advantage with their speed. And I think that's where the Blues can start to view this. And Doug Armstrong even talked about how you have to adapt to the NHL. And I think this is adapting to the NHL. And I'm I'm seriously intrigued to see how Jordan Cairo does in this fastest skating competition. 
Yeah, the, the speed for the Blues, you, you bring up the point of, you know, I can't remember the last time the Blues had this was kind of their identity, the speed. And I'm with you because, like, there have been guys, you mentioned Robbie Fabry, where it's been one or two guys that have speed on the Blues. But, I mean, you look at this whole Blues roster, they're a fast, up-and-down-the-ice playing team. And it's it's the style of the NHL. It is the Army saying, okay, we have to adapt towards the way the NHL is going. It's it's not heading towards the way the Colorado Avalanche play, where, I mean, they, they just play at an unreal level. Same with the Edmonton Oilers with their speed and on their top line. They're not at that yet, are the Blues, and they may not go that route because they will want to maintain some of those bigger, heavier bodies. And, and it's I think we've brought this up with Mike McKenna, who will be joining us of the Daily Faceoff today at 12 o'clock brought this up before where he says it's you look at Craig Berube and you don't really say this is going to be a speed team you expect them to be mm-hmm. the heavy grinded out team and they're not and it also shows the ability from Craig Berube and his coaching staff to adapt with what they're having and still maintain the success that the St. Louis Blues have had here in the first half yeah that's what I'm really going to be intrigued by with the second portion of the season when they start back up next Thursday or this coming Thursday is how they continue to build on that identity because if you can mix those two pieces together I think you could become a really dangerous team and that's the thing about this offense with all of the lines that you have presented right now I mean you have speed on all of them Barbashev and Buchnevich with O'Reilly of course you're talking Cairo and Thomas The one that I would consider a slower line would be your third line. But even then, I think Brandon Saad is a faster skater than people give him credit for. And then on the defensive side, and we'll talk more about the defense and what the Blues should look to add moving forward. But it's also an element of speed on that one. So with the skills competition tonight, you have the all-star game starting tomorrow. Who's also thinking about this too, T-Bone? I'm all for the all-star festivity and i think for what nhl does it's probably the second most entertaining when it comes to a all-star weekend festivities right up there with the nba yeah pro bowl number Um, one we all well no pro bowl i don't even think would be considered fourth i would does major league does major league soccer have an all-star weekend and it's way better okay that's probably more entertaining than the pro bowl but i also feel like the nhl is robbing fans of an opportunity to highlight some of the talented players because you know guys that participate in all-star weekend you're usually only seeing guys who have been voted in as all-stars it's rare that you get guys that are a part of rosters that don't get to come and showcase their skills in a skills competition like in the nba we were talking about this in our meeting the nba has Guys that come in for the dunk contest that aren't all-stars. Guys that come in for the three-point shooting contest that aren't all-stars. Of course, you get the all-star game. But I think this is where the NHL can maybe take a step forward, is inviting guys who might not be considered all-stars to showcase their skills. Like the hardest shot. You're telling me you don't want to see Colton Pareko to see what kind of slap shot he produces for this team? I would even love to see a 44-year-old Zdeno Chara come out <laughs> and showcase his hardest slap shot you're to just, see if that's still a possibility. You're just wanting to see if it's going to fit with the Blues because you want to acquire well, him now. Maybe selfishly, I would like to see something like that. But I think that's a step towards more entertainment that the NHL can do is to invite guys who might not be all-stars to come out to the skills competition and just showcase those skills so that fans can get a taste of other players other than the same guys who get to go to the all-star weekend. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they probably need to look the three on three format that they have for the All-Star game itself. It's, I think, more entertaining than five on five. But as you mentioned, it kind of cuts out the opportunity of some of the guys that get to go, especially if you're going to go with the rule of each team has to have a representative. 
I mean, Jordan Cairo is the only all-star on the Blues. I mean, are we really going to go with that? So, I mean, we look at the Blues roster. Vladdy's an all-star. Buchnevich an all-star. I could argue Barbie's an all-star. Same with Thomas. So, I mean, the you are right. They are robbing some of the seeing the talent that is there because usually the guys that aren't invited to the all-star game don't don't go. So I'm with you there. But they do do a pretty good job of, and they've started doing this, let's not forget, kind of incorporating the local scene for the skills competition. Like in St. Louis, they had the, I don't know what it was, the long passing competition, exactly. Yeah. And they had guys shooting a puck towards an arch. That's pretty cool. Tonight in Vegas, we're going to see them. I think they're going to be out in front of the fountain there in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's called the Fountain Face-Off. It's basically in the Bellagio um, water fountain, you know, the, the, the fountains that do their their dance throughout the time in Vegas. They're basically set up in a little pad in the middle of that fountain, and they're shooting pucks. And they're playing a game of, I believe, 21, if I'm not mistaken, or they're playing some card game with a Las Vegas theme. So the NHL does a really good job in incorporating that for the skills competition. I think it just comes down to, like you said, showcasing the guys more all-star weekend. They haven't really been able to do that successfully, especially when you do three-on-three. I mean, like like I just said, the Blues have one all-star. I mean, that's the same as the Arizona Coyotes. I get it. It's because the way the format is. Is, but the, to me, they need to find a way to incorporate more guys in because that's how you showcase your talent at an all-star event. Yeah, and I understand the all-star game. You know, it's a bonus, and most players probably don't want to be a part of it. I mean, Alex Ovechkin basically took a fine last year or two years ago when it was in St. Louis to not come to the all-star game. So I, I understand the players want that time off, but I just think that's how you continue to grow. Like, that's how the NBA, I think, has so much success with their All-Star Weekend. You know, they have the celebrity contest at 5-on-5, and they bring celebrities in to be a part of it. I just think that's something that the NHL can continue to grow. But regardless, I think this one's going to be as exciting as it's been for a while, at least for me personally, when you're doing this in Las Vegas. The Bellagio, like you mentioned, the 21-22 and contest that they're doing. But you also have Jordan Cairo participating in the fastest skater competition so that'll be later on tonight then you got the all-star game tomorrow and then of course the blues will be back in action on february 10th thursday when they take on the new jersey devils he's tanner hendrickson i'm alex ferrario your time check presented by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler it is 11 14 coming up in 15 minutes how are the blues going to fix their road issues in the second half and how crucial is it for them to fix those road issues in the second half We'll get into that in 15 minutes, but coming up next, well, T-Bone, Major League Baseball decided to put us in a bad spot going into the weekend. Doom and gloom? Doom and gloom, my man. Get the lightning and thunder sound effects ready because Major League Baseball has an update. We'll get into that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Alex Ferrario. No BK today as he made it to Orlando. I understand. I've already seen the text messages on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Yes, I know Orlando's landlocked. Yes, I know the beach is not close by. It's an hour's drive. Oh, man, so I know just your get geography. in the car and drive, BK. I sucked at geography so much. Last time I took it was like when I was a freshman in college, and that was the last time I ever wanted to you take took it. it. In so, college? Uh, Yeah, of course I did. BK is in Orlando. He'll be back on Wednesday, but T-Bone and I are here with you, and we're going to give you some, well, some bad news because Major League Baseball, 
Well, it just got worse overnight. So Evan Drellich of The Athletic, who has done a phenomenal job covering this Major League Baseball ongoing negotiation. So three days ago, it was talked about how it was a heated 90-minute meeting between both sides. Some owners participated. They talked about some of the important things in these negotiations. And, well, it didn't go well. So yesterday, Evan Drellich tweeted out, that Major League Baseball, the owners have asked for a federal mediation in bargaining talks, would have to be agreed by the Players Association. It's a voluntary process. And then continued with MLB has told the players that it will not make a counteroffer after MLB two days ago said it would. So you might be wondering, what the heck does a federal mediator mean? So my understanding of this is essentially you are bringing in somebody who is impartial to both sides. You were bringing in someone who can try and mediate these ongoing negotiations because they have gotten out of hands. To put it into layman's terms, if anybody out there is a fan of The Office, if we remember, I, of course, am a huge fan of The Office, this is essentially Major League Baseball has asked the players to agree upon bringing in Michael Scott with a binder to try and find a a win-win-win common denominator in these negotiations. This has been done in the past in pro sports, T-Bone. Major League Baseball and the MLBPA did it back in 1994. How'd that go? Um, Well, not very good because they basically had to take this to the White House to try and figure things out. Yikes. This has also been used in the NHL where the owners and the Players Association did so in 2013. Five weeks after they brought in the federal mediator, the lockout was taken care of and then they got back into action. So there's goods and bads with this, T-Bone, but when I bring all of this to the table, give me your initial thoughts as a baseball fan. Well, I mean, it confirms what we've been talking about, and you could see it with some of the reports of, yeah, they were really far away, and it's basically neither side wanted to budge on their proposals. I mean, you knew that basically when we saw the owners come out and say, yeah, we'll give you this raise, and the players like, well, with inflation, that's nothing. And then the players countered with, I think it was a – bonus pool for arbitration or non-arbitration players and their original offer was 105 and then by the time they got to their talks again it was a hundred dollars or a hundred million dollars compared to 105 million so neither side's been budging so in theory this makes some sense but it seems like major league baseball pa remembers this from 90 the 93 94 lockout when that's when it got ugly and they were the ones that had the issues with the mediator at the time so I think they're going to remember that, and I think that the Major League Baseball PA, from everything we've seen, it looked John Heyman tweeted out that it's more likely they're probably just going to re- deny this request. So I think we're just going to continue to see a stalemate. I, I don't know if we're going to see a mediator come into this. It's possible we do, and even if he does, the NHL and NHLPA, I think it was the NBA and MLS have done it before, where it's basically taken five weeks they're able to knock this out. If if that's the case, then it does look like the beginning of the season could be in a little bit of jeopardy by the time you kind of backdate the five weeks and then you add in the spring training time, we could be looking at missing a couple of games. So it is very concerning to me that to see, okay, they, they're going this route, which seems like a good thing. It also just seems kind of more like a media deploy from the MLB owners to try saying, hey, we're trying our best, but the MLBPA is not going to take it. I, I'm very concerned of what's going on with the MLB and MLBPA negotiations. Yeah, I'm really concerned with this as well. Uh, I think this is basically what's turning from what felt like civil negotiations into now turning into, well, basically these guys feel like that you're you're basically ruining the other person's identity. Like when I saw this originally come out, T-Bone, I texted you, 
this felt like the owners had a win-win and the players had a lose-lose. Because if they agreed to the federal mediator, well, then you're essentially letting the owners win here because mediator is going to be coming in, but the owners are bringing the mediator in with a little bit expectations of a slight edge on their side. You can say that he's impartial to both sides, but we all know that that's not how this goes. But if you don't agree upon it, which I thought I read yesterday, at least it was reported that some players weren't going to agree to this then you look bad if you're the players to the outside because the owners are trying to get this done. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but from the outside of fans perspective is like, just get this done. The players don't agree to this. Well, then they're going to be like, okay, well now you're just getting too greedy. Let's get this over with to where the owners look like the good side, because they're the ones that are basically saying we want to get this done. Yeah. I don't think bringing in someone is necessarily a bad thing. The problem is, is that considering both sides truly, are standing strong on their ends. Each side's going to have to make compromises they don't want to make. And that's, of course, that's the part of the negotiation, but that's the part that neither side wants. And that's why the MLBP is, MLBPA is a little hesitant on this, is because, okay, they want to accomplish X, Y, and Z, but they're afraid with bringing in the mediator, they might, may not be able to accomplish that or get as close as possible to accomplishing that that they believe when they're negotiating on their own. Because that's what happened in that 93-94 issue was the mediator took kind of that side of the owners, and he's not supposed to do that. He is supposed to be impartial and kind of work these things out. It just so happened the players felt really kind of thrown under the bus when this happened in 93-94. Of course, we all saw the results of that. So I don't have the problem with them trying to bring this in. I, I think it gave us a little bit of a timeline as to, A, how far apart they truly are without a mediator, and B, if they do bring one in, at least we have maybe an idea that five weeks could be that time frame to where we're looking at for them to potentially hammer this out. Now, it could be longer than that. That's just kind of a, hey, the NHL brought somebody in, it took five weeks. The NBA brought somebody in, it took roughly about five weeks. So ideally, I would like to have that optimistic point of view, because Mike Schultz says I'll live longer, to where if they do bring in a mediator, maybe it takes five weeks, five plus weeks, to where they get this figured out. But I think when I read this report originally, it does tell me, okay, they are so far apart that everything that I feared when this started in December is that they are so far apart and they are not negotiating in good faith either side, in my opinion, that I could see us miss just a couple games to begin the regular season. Yeah, and that's where I think I come down on this one. I think it's just more frustrating than anything because, you know, you bring back up the the, the words from Rob Manfred when the lockout essentially started, and they said that, you know, we're we're deciding to do this lockout now so that we hope that the negotiation tactic can ramp up and that we can get this lockout finished before the start of the season. And the fact that there has been no budging, at least the reports on this, from the owner's side, like there's been no sacrifices, it feels like, from the owner's side other than the the minuscule details that you can sacrifice and it not hurt their wallet. The fact that the players have been willing to do something like that and the owners haven't, and then this is their immediate go-to, not so much of saying like, yeah, we're not going to give you a counterproposal, we're not going to do anything like this, we're just going to bring in a mediator so that we can get this figured out. That to me feels like that they don't want to they don't want to negotiate this in good intentions anymore it does seem like they're just trying to get this ship righted faster but it's also seeming like they're trying to get this ship righted faster in the sense of them not losing any money which it seems like the players are pretty ticked off about so you know it doesn't sound like they're going to be meeting anytime soon we'll have to wait to find out you hope if you're optimistic like we are t-bone 
that this is more like the NHL side of things where they met with this mediator and five weeks later they, they broke and they went back into uh, starting things back up. But if the players aren't happy about this decision, it doesn't seem like things are going to get right at any time soon. Yeah, it, I did it, want to mention. Go ahead, T-Bone. I was going to say, I'm just with you. It does feel, I mean, yesterday, and again, we felt this all along that they're so far apart. Yesterday felt like kind of that first real true sign of, oh, boy, now we're really starting to sense that pressure of, are we going to miss games in the regular season? Just based on the fact of five weeks, back time it with spring training and all of that. I did want to mention, though, because, I mean, this does really start to seem more and more like spring training is going to get delayed. I mean, you might not have, I mean, you might have to cancel a week, two weeks, maybe a month of the regular season so that these guys can get two weeks of spring training in. If this continues to delay spring training to where you don't have enough time to get things ramped back up, does that expedite the decision from John Mozeliak to go out there and get a starting pitcher? Because we've talked a lot about how it doesn't make sense, T-Bone, to go sign a starting pitcher if you're the Cardinals because of all of these um, so-called weapons that they have if everyone stays healthy. But if you don't have a normal spring training and you only have a couple of weeks of this before the regular season picks up, I think I would have a lot more questions about Dakota Hudson's use. I think I would have a lot more questions about Miles Michaelis's use. And if those two guys in your rotation aren't going to be available, and you have to do this, this shadow start that Derek Gould mentioned last week, I think that might actually sway my decision in terms of the Cardinals have to go out and get a starting pitcher. Yeah, I think when it officially becomes that, you know, spring training is going to be delayed, and I'm sure that teams will be made aware of that, and then the players will be as well from the MLBPA. It does bring up an interesting question from John Mosaic, because when we've talked about the offseason this whole time, I've always been talking about, you know, okay, I I look at it as, okay, they're going to have the normal spring training. I'm going to view the guys as if there's no real worries, of course, the injury concerns. But if you have a shortened spring training and let's say it's three weeks and it starts up like two weeks behind schedule, Adam Wainer, I mentioned this in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch with uh, Rick Hummel and his piece, and I recommend checking that out if you can. But it, it was, you know, hey, I basically have to be like I'm two weeks into spring training when we first start up because they're they're, they're going to have shortened time. Well, when you look at a Dakota Hudson, you look at a Miles Michaels who've been dealing with health concerns the last two years. Dakota Hudson just coming off of Tommy John. Miles, has, I think, pitched 30 innings in the last two years or something along those lines. They're going to be very cautious with them to begin the season, and, and that's where that shadow rotation comes in. But I wonder if the Cardinals will look at and say, maybe we do bring in that veteran arm that, like, like maybe a Zach Grinky that can be a guy that goes into the rotation. You have less concerns about injury wise, and you can be more cautious with a Dakota Hudson with a Miles Michaelis. I think that does bring up. Uh, at least it, it spikes my interest more. Zach Granke, I just don't know because like, I don't know what the selling point to that guy would be of, hey, you've been a consistent starting pitcher everywhere you've played. You're going to come in here. You'll be our starting pitcher. But when guys become more available and more healthy, well, then you're probably going to be used more in like one of those shadow roles. And I don't know if Zach Granke would agree to something like that. Whereas I know BK has brought up Colin McHugh. And this would be a guy I think that it would spike my interest more in terms of signing him rather than a Joe Kelly or somebody, a Ryan Tapera that could be competing for a closing spot with Giovanni Gallegos. If this is a concern with Hudson and Michaelis, I would much rather, if I'm Mo, go out and sign a guy like Colin McHugh who can give me five to ten spot starts but also be used as a weapon in the bullpen. The more and more we get closer towards this, 
the the realization that spring training is going to be delayed, which let's be honest, we probably should have realized that when this whole thing started up back in December. It does make me lean towards Colin McHugh as probably that guy for the Cardinals because he is going to be that. Yeah, he is the best option. Can can be getting starts, can be a guy in the bullpen. So I I think that the more that the closer we get towards spring training actually being delayed, because again, before before it actually happens, I have the optimism that we're going to have a normal spring training, and I'm losing that faith every day as we get closer to it. Yeah. As we get closer, the more sense Colin McHugh makes sense. Because if you asked me a month ago, I would have said Joe Kelly. Get that high-end reliever that can be either the eighth-inning setup man or has closing experience. But as we get closer and it's going to look more and more like the spring training is going to be shortened and there's going to be concerns with pitchers being built up and being ready and then the injury concerns, I think a guy that can cover like two innings can have the spot starts like he's done in the past. Colin McHugh seems to be making more and more sense, and the Cardinals have been connected to him a lot. Well, hopefully we'll be able to talk more about these signings in spring training, and hopefully these guys can figure things out and not uh, continue to bicker over what the decision's going to be in terms of meeting with a federal mediator. He's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. 15 minutes, we've got questions and answers, so send yours. Actually, today's a Friday, T-Bone. It's Ask Me Anything. Oh, so let's So ask go. us anything. That's right. On the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, we'll do Ask Me Anything in 15 minutes. But coming up next... The Blues' second half of the season presents more road games than home games. Is that going to be a problem with this team? And it's something that's going to have to get righted if they want to be in a and if they want to be in a beneficial situation when it comes to playoffs. So we'll get into the road woes coming up next here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Coming up in uh, 15 minutes, we've got Ask Us Anything, me, Tanner Hendrickson. So you can text us those questions at the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Mike McKenna joining us at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. But now we talk a little bit about the road issues for the Blues. Look, we've talked a lot about this in the first half of the season, and it's an area that does need to be corrected by this Blues team if they want to make this Stanley Cup run a lot more interesting they have more road games, T-Bone, than they do home games for the rest of the season. So they've played 44 games so far, and 24 of their games have been played on home ice, if I'm not mistaken, which presents about 21 games on the road for the rest of the way. Now, the rest of their schedule doesn't look as intimidating as you might believe because, yes, they have to play in Canada, but they do play a lot of teams that are sitting outside of the playoffs on the Eastern Conference side. The problem, though, is that the Blues in the Western Conference, there are only four teams worse than the Blues on the road this season. Those four teams are Chicago, Dallas, Arizona, and Seattle. Three of those four are pretty much out of the playoff picture. But if you look at the underlying numbers, you know, the advanced statistics that our guy BK loves, the Blues are the middle of the pack. I mean, expected goals allowed, they're about 16th in the National Hockey League. A high danger scoring chances allowed, about 16th in the National Hockey League when it comes to playing on the road. You're going to have to get better in that area. You're going to have to look more like the team that won five of their first seven road games at the beginning of the season rather than the team that has won only three of their last 13 on the road. 
Yeah, we talked about it yesterday. You know, doesn't matter where the Blues finish in the standings. And with, with the way they've played on the road, I mean, they've not been bad, but you'd like to have home ice advantage. And how are you going to get to that? How are you going to get ideally to that two seed and be right behind Colorado? It, it, it's going to be you're going to have to win some of these ro- these road games, and you're going to have to perform a little bit better on the road. I, the underlying numbers, as you mentioned, they're not bad, and even those numbers are skewed a little bit because of that game in Calgary where they got blown out seven to one, where you just kind of take that one away and pretend it didn't happen but if they can improve on the road because we were talking about this in the pre-show meeting when i when i think back to that 19 cup run from the blues i think about how good they were on the road and how resilient they were to go yeah, on the road and win dominant. games yeah so if they can and they've been good this year i don't want to like sound the red uh raise the red flag because they've been like awful on the road no they've been they've been decent they're about 500 on the road it's just if they can play a little bit better i think it fares them better in the playoffs because that's what made them so dynamic in that 19 row is they were able to go on the road and win some key games when they went on that cup run and this is why it's really interesting for the rest of this season too because as we've talked about you're you're sitting in a wild card spot right now and you're fighting with minnesota nashville and colorado and minnesota has been actually pretty decent on the road 14 7 and 2 and they only play i believe it's 17 games the rest of the season on the road whereas on home ice they've been dominant Same with the Nashville Predators. Nashville's played 25 games on the road so far this season, and on home ice, they're 14-7. and And then you got Colorado, who's played 20 of their 41 games on the road so far, which means they're going to play about 22 games on home ice, where they're 22-2. and So those teams that you're fighting with position, they're going to have a slight advantage in terms of where they're playing and how they're playing compared to the Blues, who are going to have to adapt that road warrior mentality. Now, the question becomes, how do they get back to that? And I think the best way for the Blues to return to that road warrior mentality is to get a little bit more simple with their games. You're not going to win these games on the road anymore 5-1-6-2-7-3 like they did at the beginning of the season where you beat up on Colorado, you beat up on Arizona, you're going to win them more like you beat the Winnipeg Jets 3-2 in a shootout, like you beat the Vegas Golden Knights 2-1. It's going to come down to not trying to beat teams with your speed, but beating teams with your defensive ability and kind of boring them to sleep on the ice. But then it also, T-Bone, goes back to the goaltending. And we've talked a lot about Huso or Bennington, Huso or Bennington. You're going to need one of those guys to step up and become the, I'm going to steal these games on the road. Believe it or not, Neither of those guys have done that this season. Huso's been doing it on home ice. Bennington started the season doing it on the road, but then, of course, we've seen him fall off as of late. Yeah, and that's that's the key, too, is the goaltending. Goal and, of course, that that's the big thing for every NHL team is do you have that goalie that can steal that game? And I think you brought this up. I think it was when Bennington first came up, he was really good on the road, and he, and he since tailed off in his career. If they can just get one guy, and if they end up having to do a platoon, and it's not an ideal platoon of, okay, Bennington starts at home, Huso starts on the road, but if they can just get somebody that they can say, okay, we feel confident, it's a road game, let's turn to so-and-so, let's turn to Huso, let's say, since he's probably the number one guy right now until he loses that spot. If he can just come up with that one big save, that that's the key for the Blues. And, and talking about how can they change that that road, their road woes, to me it's, 
it comes down to consistency. And BK brought this up too, is not just with goaltending. Goaltending has to be consistent as well. It also comes down, can you come out and can you play a consistent 60 minutes? I mean, I thought they played the first 10 minutes in their last game against Winnipeg before the All-Star break. I thought they looked good. And then when Falk ran into Cairo, everything just went completely huh. awry from there. And they end up losing that game. And there's been moments of that this year where it's like, okay, they look good here. And this 10-minute stretch, the rest of the game, though, was just like, wow, this is not the same Blues team I know. I think consistency where they can get back to that road warrior mentality. Yeah, you know, and this might surprise a lot of people. There are only eight teams that have allowed fewer goals on the road this season than the Blues. Those teams are the Kings, the Golden Knights, the Capitals, the Penguins, the Hurricanes, the Islanders, and the Bruins. And other than the Bruins and the Islanders, all of those teams have played 20 or more games. The Blues have allowed 62 goals on the road this season, and they've allowed, or they've scored 61. So to me, what that means is you're not going to be scoring a hell of a lot of goals like you usually do on home ice, but what you do need is you just need that timely save. You don't need a goaltender to go out there and slam the door shut and pull out 40 save shutouts. What you need is your goaltender to make that timely save, and I think that's what hurt the, what has hurt this team a lot on the road is there's just a little bit of a, a lack of confidence in the team game playing on the road so far this season. So that will be an interesting development. Again, with the Blues, they played 44 games this season, and they have played 20 of them on the road. So 21 more of their quick math, which is never a good thing, of their, what, 29 games, 28 games the rest of the way? 38 games the rest of the way? Woof. They're going to be on the road a lot. It was quick math, but it wasn't good. They're going to be on the road a lot, and I think if they can correct that, and I mean, I'm, you're talking about 12, 13 wins the rest of the way on the road, I think that's going to put them in a better position to succeed when it comes to playoff times in the Central Division. With Tanner Hendrickson and Alex Ferrario, Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, is going to join us in 15 minutes. But coming up next, send us your Air Comfort Service texts on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's Ask Me Anything. Next on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Even better than questions and answers because it is Ask Me Anything on a Friday with Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. You've got any questions for us. Bring them to the table at the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tanner, he has to answer them. He has to answer them. So send them over to us right now. Let's jump into it on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. By the way, Mike McKenna, our uh, weekly hit with the former NHL goaltender, he's in Vegas He's going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Lucky indeed. First one from the 636. Boys, did you have to go out and shovel yesterday? Uh, T-Bone, I've been telling you this, and I've been complaining like a a 70-year-old. I am so sore. As soon as we got off the air yesterday, I went upstairs, and I'm like, okay, I have to uh, go shovel this driveway because I knew myself or my wife was going to have to leave later on this afternoon. So I went out there, and I spent probably a good hour and a half trying to shovel my driveway. And by the end of it, dude, I couldn't feel my back. (laughs) Like I woke up this morning and thinking is like, wow, I don't know if I have 
some type of core issues or if I pulled something, but I can't feel my body right now. Yeah, I did not have to shovel. I was in a hotel down the road just to be close to the station since I'm here. Look at you go. Champion alert. Uh, but Look at you go. I will probably have to do some shoveling probably today. I'll go swing by the grandparents' house, see if they need any help with anything. So I'm assuming I'm going to be doing some shoveling here in just the near future. I, I didn't do any yesterday, and I'm sure I'll be sore. Maybe not as sore as Ferrari. I'm in better shape, so oh, yeah. I'm not concerned. Yeah, well, that's not true at all. Uh, from the 980 on Ask us anything 65780 is the year comfort service text line boys give me your three hockey jerseys of all time top three hockey jerseys of all time i'm gonna take the blues out of this one because all of us are going to pick the blues as number one yeah i was probably gonna take the blues ones mostly because they're probably like the only ones i really recognize so so the three top jerseys of all time t-bone do you have any favorites uh, I did like the old uh, Ducks ones where it had the Mighty Duck on it. That would probably be up there for me. Um, other ones currently, definitely. I mean, I know we're not doing blues, but I definitely would not vote for those uh, retro blues that they had where they were red. So that I would definitely <laughs> leave off for sure. That'd be my number one if we're voting on those. That's probably one for me. I actually like the Hartford Whaler one because I've seen those in the past. So I, I yeah. like the Hartford Whaler look. I'd probably put that in my top three. I'm trying to think if there's any others that really stick out to me off the top of my head. Those are probably my top two. I'm trying to think of the third. So I got a couple that stick out to me. Um, the, the, The Arizona Coyotes jerseys that they're wearing now, that's like the old school, like 90s Keith Kachuk Arizona Coyotes jerseys. I love those. Um I personally love the San Jose Sharks jerseys. The Sharks. the one where it's white with a teal green. I think those are really awesome. Uh, and this is going to actually upset some people, and I apologize. I hate the team. Don't get me wrong. I actually enjoy the Chicago Blackhawks jerseys. Oh, I can't believe you did it. I know. I know. Gross. I hate the team. Don't get me wrong. But those red Chicago Blackhawks jerseys, they're not horrible. They're probably third on this list, but... I think the number one would be those old school Arizona Coyotes. Those are really good ones. I really enjoy. Uh, I like the Calgary Flames one too. Now, yes, I those are good the ones Flames too. One. Yep. I'd probably put yep. that in my top three. Again, I don't have like that big of a grossing knowledge of hockey jerseys. So, like when we took St. Louis out of this, top three for me is going to be very limited. Yeah, exactly. With Tanner Hendrick and I'm Alex Alex Ferrario, it is the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Ask me anything here on BK and Ferrario. Fellas from the 618, who would you rather see wear the note? This guy has two of them. I'm going to add one more. Jacob Chikrin, Ben Sherratt, or Scott Mayfield. So we talked yesterday about Zdeno Chara, and I think he's the clear cut for all of us. But out of those two, and then I added in Scott Mayfield, Chikrin, Sherratt, Scott Mayfield, T-Bone, who would you like to add and see the Blues have uh, or see wearing a Blues jersey? Uh, I would probably go with Ben Sherratt. I, I, I think he's the, what would you say, second biggest fish on the market behind maybe a Jacob Chikrin. That feels like a Army move, in my opinion. I, I think Sherratt makes a lot of sense for the Blues. I'm not in on getting the older veteran presence like the Giordanos or the Zendana Charas. So of those three i would probably say i would go ben Sherat. say it with me t-bone zendano i know i said you're it talking wrong. about zendaya from spider-man different one she, um, she I, was good in the movie too so she's very good in the movie so i'm gonna give i'm gonna pick scott mayfield here i i don't know if people understand and and you know i've defended him a little bit jacob chikrin 
um, because he is on a really bad team. But there is an article on The Athletic today talking about probably the most um, biggest disappointments this season among defensemen. This was the line on Jacob Chikrin. Still a highly valuable player, but the fact that he's been outscored 37-16, to 16, hemmed in his own zone at 5-on-5 five five this season, even if it's been an awful team, is ev- it's evident that he is not a number one defenseman. I'm out on Jacob Chikrin. I don't like the idea of Ben Sherratt. I think Scott Mayfield would be my pick out of these three. I know he's a right-handed defenseman. I would hope he could play the left side, but listen to these numbers. Six foot five, 220 pounds, has an offensive upside, but he has fantastic underlying metrics. This is from Sportsnet. Mayfield elevates his effort come postseason, posted 13 points, 120 blocked shots, and 118 hits in 15 playoff games. To me, that sounds like a guy that you would want playing in your top four with Colton Pareko. So if I had to pick out of those three, I think Chara would be my number one. But from Chikrin, Sherratt, and Mayfield, I would take Scott Mayfield on my team. Uh, we got one more for the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780 from the 636. What is your favorite non-sports podcast? You know, what's funny T-Bone, is... Yours might be on the Golden Girls. Is there a Golden Girls podcast? I'm sure there is. You should just check it out. What's funny is we're in radio, and of course we podcast our show. I don't really listen to that many podcasts. Like, Really? When I say I don't listen to many, I mean, I listen to one. It's probably the Baseball Tonight one by Buster Olney. I listen to that during the mm-hmm. baseball season. Other than that, I just I don't listen to podcasts that often. I usually just get my information. Now there's times where I'll go and listen to something that we see that you guys send us, so listen to that but i don't know if i can say i even have a non-sports one that i listen to yeah i mean i have one that's my absolute favorite and he's one of my favorite comedians his name's dan cummins and he's got a podcast called time suck where it's basically he takes different historical events takes different uh things that have happened in history and he puts a different spin on them it's 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 very educating but it also, it's got some humor involved with it. So check out the Time Suck podcast with Dan Cummins. I think it's personally one of my favorite podcasts uh, that's non-sports related. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. Appreciate all the texts on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up in 15 minutes, we are at the All-Star Marines. We're going to hand out some grades for the Blues team. But before that, we're going to talk with Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender. He is in Las Vegas. We're going to get his thoughts on the upcoming All-Star festivities this weekend. That's next here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. No BK today as he made his way safely to Orlando. So he will be back with us on Wednesday next week. But the show always goes on and we welcome in our favorite Friday guest. It is former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna as he joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And Mike is living his best life, T-Bone, because he is out in Viva Las Vegas for the All-Star Weekend. Mike, how the heck are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, I've been out here for a few days. I'm actually kind of, amazingly, the, the, the All-Star event 
really kicks off today with the skills competition and the game tomorrow, but I'm kind of ready to go home, man. <laughs> I've been out here for like three <laughs> days or four days. And listen, I, I don't come out here and just run it. Like I don't really gamble. I don't club. Like I just, I do like Vegas for what it is. It's nice to see all my friends, but I don't know. You kind of reach that limit of the city, man. It, it, you can only, I can only handle like three days here before, unless I'm living here. You know, when you're staying on the strip, it's a lot different than living out in the suburbs. So, but I'm really excited to see the, the skills comp tonight and then the game. And that'll, I'm sure that'll give me a bit of juice and a little energy to get me on the flight home on Sunday. Well, and you're a hockey guy, so I know you're probably wanting to get back to the snow here in St. Louis, right? I am. I'm so jealous. Like, I've gone out of town twice in the past, <laughs> I don't know, a month and a half, and both times it snowed. And I'm watching my girls play in eight inches of the white stuff, and I'm thinking, man, I should be sledding with them right now. And I am just hoping that it stays cold enough and enough snow stays on the ground that we can go sledding on Sunday. It's my well, only I hope. Can... So if if you guys can give me the snow report on Art Hill, man, I'd really love that. So maybe somebody can text in while we're on the air and we can find out what the conditions are like at Art Hill. Send those texts, Air Comfort Service text line 657, I know, because you know people are still living it up on Art Hill right now. We got Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender with us. So, Mike, you mentioned Vegas and the festivities this weekend. Just give me kind of a scouting report. What's it been like down there these last couple of games? And I know the skills competition is going to be really entertaining tonight because they got them posted up on uh, the Bellagio waterfront. It's cool. You know, I mean, Vegas does everything big. We all know that. Uh, But, you know, they've managed to take the city and make it turn into a real hockey town and they're really showcasing that they've had a lot of community oriented things going on in the city that they've drawn from some of the golden Knights that are here in town that didn't go to the Bahamas, like some of the other players <laughs> around the league <laughs> taking some time off. But um, you know, like the, the event tonight in the skills competition where the players are going to be out amongst the fountains in front of the Bellagio, they're taking a boat out onto the lake and they're going to be sauce and pucks at targets. Uh, apparently the fountains are going to play into the difficulty of these passes and just really cool. They're playing a game that's a kind of a modified blackjack that they, they shut the strip down last night to film it. Uh, they did that in advance last night on the Bellagio uh, fountains as well. So those are kind of pre-planned and they will go into the arena tonight on the, on the big screen there. But it's just really cool to see, you know, the whole city, there's ball hockey tournaments going on. The convention center has been taken over T-Mobile arena out front is just been slammed with people all day and i just love seeing all the different jerseys walking through the hotels you know people that are here enjoying the game sporting their favorite team and it's one of those moments during the season where everybody kind of just comes together and enjoys the sport you know you put your allegiances aside a little bit and everybody has a good time you know, and Mike, it gives the players an opportunity to relax. The players that are a part of it, there still is an opportunity to relax. And then, of course, you got the All-Star game tomorrow. But, you know, I'm curious once things pick back up because teams know what's at stake, specifically here with the Blues. Braden Shen has talked about how, you know, that they're healthy, that they're past this COVID situation on their roster, and it's all hands on deck for the final 38 games of the regular season. How rejuvenating is time off like this for, for a group of players who went through a little bit of a grind in the first half of the season? It's amazing. And this is why it was important for the players to make sure that they got a bye week built into the schedule when they did the latest CBA to get some time off in season. It's such a grind to just go nonstop, realistically, from the beginning of September and at minimum to mid April and not take any time off. And, you know, if you get two days at Christmas, that's what it used to be. <laughs> and that just wasn't enough. <laughs> um, so that. 
that bye week makes a difference. You know, this year we're supposed to have a large Olympic break. Obviously, that's been um, been scuttled due to COVID and not players not going and games being rescheduled. But you come out of a break like that and you just feel so much better. You know, you've had a chance to just go be a normal human. And maybe, maybe you go on a trip. Maybe you just stay home. Like, there's different ways for players to find enjoyment in that time off, um, especially for, for players that have families. You know, you just want to see your kids for a few days cook them dinner, take them some places, and it just rejuvenates the mind and the soul, and it's it's no different than any other worker, you know. We need, all need time off. We all need vacations if we can afford to do them, and hockey players are no different. Does that feel like the next step, though, for a team, Mike? Like, to be able to have that time off and know that, look, we got 30-plus games left for the rest of the season and then playing into postseason, like, this is where teams seem to always ramp things up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is the most important time of the year, and I always think back to a couple of examples of past Stanley Cup winners, and of course the Blues being one of them, the second half that they had when they won the Stanley Cup. You know, the the Los Angeles Kings were no different when they won their first Stanley Cup uh, about a decade ago that they barely squeaked into playoffs. But when you looked at it from a more macro sense, they'd been on fire to make playoffs, and they carried that to a Stanley Cup victory. And I think there's something real to that. You know, you have, coming into playoffs with some momentum, it doesn't mean you're going to win. But it, I think it does give you a better chance because you want to be playing your best hockey when it comes time. And facing some adversity on the backside of the schedule, it's not a bad thing. You know, you really learn how to win games. You learn how to gut it out. You learn how to get those extra overtime points. And even in playoffs, when you don't have, you know, the shootout looming, you still you learn how to play these overtime games. You transfer that confidence into what you do. And, I mean, I had that experience as a player. I was on a team in Texas in the American League that, we were so good in extra innings during the regular season. And that just built our confidence for playoffs. And we could feel that. So I think it's of utmost importance. You don't want to limp in the playoffs. You want to be coming in as playing your strongest hockey and having your healthiest lineup. Mike, we've talked a lot about upgrading defensively for this Blues team. And we're still about a little over a month away from the trade deadline. Is there a defenseman, and that's the area that everyone talks about this Blues team upgrading via trade. Is there a defenseman that you feel like best fits this Blues team? Because we've brought up the name Jacob Chikrin, Ben Sherratt. You know, I've brought up the name Ryan Graves from the New Jersey Devils. But most mm-hmm. recently, it's been Zdeno Chara. Is there a guy that you feel like fits best for the Blues? Not Zdeno Chara. That's not my pick. And I listen, I think Zdeno Chara's had a great career, but I don't think that's the answer. You know, I think there's players around the league that would probably fit the bill better in St. Louis. I'm not sure who exactly is the right person to go there, but, you know, like Jeff Petrie's just, he's got plenty of people interested in him as well. So, you know, maybe Petrie's somebody who could be on, in the mix there. And uh, that's a player I really like. Uh, but I'm not sure offensively if the Blues really need him as bad. You know, when you have Krug and Falk that can move the puck so well, and uh, I'm not sure he's the fit. I, I would almost look to somebody like Giordano. You know, where's he going to go towards the end of, the, of his career here? He's still got a little bit of time left on this year, obviously, but he's playing for the Kraken. They're saying they'll explore trade options. I think he would be a Swiss Army knife for the Blues. I, mean, I know he's a left-handed D, and, and, and right D are always coveted, and the Blues have several of those, which is great, but Giordano, I think, would be a great fit. He could play number one. He could play number six for the Blues, and it would be effortless. you got a veteran player there who's still got wheels. Um, I'd target him. But, man, if you can get somebody young with some term on a contract, Chikrin, man, get him out of Arizona, and that guy will flourish again. I just don't see him as a fit in St. Louis. 
Mike, what do you think about Scott Mayfield? I mean, he's always been intriguing to me. Of course, you got the St. Louis kid, but he shoots on the right mm-hmm. side. I, I know you played goalie, but you've been around plenty of guys who played the defensive side, and you, of course, are a hockey fan. Is it easy for a guy who's a right-handed shot to play on the left side, and would that make sense for the Blues? Well, Mayfield's done a great job. I mean, I, I think of all of the St. Louis players that have made it to the NHL, people forget about Scott Mayfield. I mean, yeah. This guy's got over 300 NHL games and has been a solidified NHL defenseman now for the better part of, I mean, I won't say a decade, but like he's played six, seven years in a row in the league at this point, and he's been steady as can be. You know what you would get with him. Scott Mayfield, you're going to get 15 to 25 points, 15 points, 20 points in the NHL most likely, uh, and he's tough too, and he's mobile. He can skate pretty well. So I, would the Islanders part with him? I'm I'm not sure, but I think he'd be a nice fit. Playing the left side on your right hand, to me, just depends on your comfort level. You know, some players yeah. are okay with that. Some can go either direction. Um, you know, I've, I look at Petrangelo, and he's he can play any player he wants. And, you know, Shea Theodore is somebody in Vegas who I followed very closely who could play both sides but was better on one than the other. But, um, you know, for someone like Mayfield that's so adept at moving his feet and creating his own lanes – the hand that you play with isn't quite as important because he's pretty agile. If you're not as fleet of foot and you're playing on the offside, then it can pose problems because then you got to use only your hands to move the puck, and it's a little bit predictable. So uh, Mayfield's intriguing. He would definitely be a depth piece for the Blues, um, as deep as they are, but wouldn't be bad to have another hometown guy in the lineup. I, always, I mean, look what happened to Pat Maroon. You win a Stanley Cup with yeah. Pat Maroon. Why not get another St. Louis guy in the mix here? I'd like to see that. Nothing wrong with that. Mike, we got an update on our Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Just left Art Hill. It's packed, and it's awesome. So, my man, get back to St. Louis as quick as possible and take those girls on Art Hill so you can enjoy some sledding. I can't wait. I sure hope that it remains until Sunday. It's a time-honored tradition I haven't had a chance to do with my daughters yet, so I'm really looking forward to having that opportunity here, hopefully in the near future. Mike, enjoy Vegas. Enjoy this weekend's festivities. Have a safe trip home, buddy, and we'll talk to you next Friday. That sounds lovely. Talk to you then. Be safe (laughs) driving around, everybody. There you go. Mike McKenna, he's one of my favorites. He's with us every Friday here on BK and Ferrario, and he joined us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. You know, T-Bone, one thing that he mentioned that I think is really important, and we talked about you know, the road games for the rest of the season. But Mike mentioned you want to be playing strong hockey against really good competition going into the playoffs. And look, when they return to play, not saying that these teams aren't great. I mean, like the Devils are at the bottom. They're not going to make the playoffs. They have talent. So do the Ottawa Senators. So do the Montreal Canadiens. Those are lesser opponents. If you look at the final two, two and a half weeks of the regular season, you play Seven of your 11 games on, or I'm sorry, seven of your 10 games in the final three weeks of the season on the road. But here's your opponents in the final two weeks of the season. Nashville, Boston, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, Colorado, Vegas. Like if you want to be playing playoff hockey, the Blues will be playing that in the final two weeks of the regular season, which in my opinion is going to benefit that team once they get into postseason play because they're going to be feeling like they're fighting for not only a playoff life, but their playoff position lives going into the final weeks of the season. Yeah, and that's extremely important for a team. I mean, Mike mentioned it. You know, you talk about that 19-cup run team for the Blues. 
they, they had to play playoff hockey about two months before everybody else was because they had to catch fire. They had to go on a run to just get into the playoff picture. They do so, they get in, and they've already been playing that kind of hockey. They have that mentality of we have to go out there and we have to win this game, and they went on a run and go on to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, pretty much there's every year there's always that one team that catches fire right before the postseason starts and then makes a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, yeah, I'm with you. That that 10-game stretch that's going to end the regular season, that's going to be a stretch to keep an eye on because that's about the time where you're going to start looking at the Blues because they're going to be in the playoffs. I don't have any doubts of them missing the playoffs, but that's the time where you're going to look at them and say, okay, are they still battling for home ice advantage? Can they get the two-seed in the Central Division? Or do they have to battle to try avoiding that wild card game so they have to can avoid whether it be Vegas or Colorado or whoever finished the top in the Pacific? Those 10 games will give us an idea of how they're going going to look heading into the postseason yeah I mean I'm with you they're going to make the playoffs at least I believe they're going to make the playoffs but I mean you can't overlook the fact that Dallas is only nine points behind them which seems like a lot but they were playing better before the break uh, started but then remember only the top three teams in each division make it which means the fourth team is going to be competing for a wild card spot Calgary is sitting in the other wild card spot but you also have Edmonton who has 49 points sitting what is that eight points behind the Blues so There's going to be teams fighting for a playoff spot, and if you're not at your best because how good the Central is, you might be in question of making the postseason. So that's going to be important for the Blues, and I think that brings the best out of this team when they're fighting for their playoff lives. He's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. We will get into some NFL quick hitters as we had another hire taking place last night. I love it. I don't think T-Bone does, but coming up next, We've got grades for the Blues, 10 select pieces from this team. As we're at the All-Star break, let's hand out some grades from the first half of the season next year on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We've got the junk drawer coming up in 15 minutes. In about 10 minutes, we've got some NFL quick hitters to get into. But now we are officially into the All-Star Weekend. Blues back in action on February 10th. So why not hand out some grades from the first 44 games of the season, T-Bone? We're a great talent evaluators, right? That's what we do here on BK and Ferrario. It's why I only traded like six assets to go acquire Chikrin back a couple months ago. Yeah, it's why BK continues to want to trade Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist, well, well, and it's why a, I continue to stick with Jordan Bennington. There's a reason the evaluation game is happening today when somebody's in Orlando. Very, very true. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. So we picked 10 players from the roster to give a midseason grade to with 38 games remaining. There are nine players and one coach, which, of course, is, is Craig Berube. Uh, let's start with Craig Berube, T-Bones. We hand out grades from the first half of the season. I think this is a pretty obvious one, but for me, I'd give Craig Berube an A+. I'd give him 100% because he has done everything that you would expect him to be instituting for this roster this season. He has found a way to continue the progress of Ivan Barbashev and Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas. He has found the ways to get guys like Ryan O'Reilly out of their ruts. He has found a way to take advantage of Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich. But the part that I've been more impressed by is the defensive side of the game where Craig Berube has stuck with a Nico Mikola, has found ways to get the most out of him, 
and continue to stuck with Tory Krug and Justin Falk. So for me, I think Craig Berube has pushed every button that he needs to for this Blues team to be successful, which is why I would give him an A+. Yeah, I'm with you. I would go A-plus as well for Craig Berube. I mean, not only has he, going back to when the season started, he dealt with the Tarasenko situation when the reports came out yes. that he wanted a trade. He handled that very well with Vladimir Tarasenko. And then you you mentioned kind of the moves he's made with the lineup have clicked. I mean, he's not been afraid to break up O'Reilly and Perron. He's dealt with the COVID issues as well. I mean, you, you look at where this team was, that you had Nathan Walker, you had Alexi Torbchenko. I mean, you were playing games shorthanded, and they were still winning games as well. And now you look at, as you mentioned, the defense, being willing to talk with a Nico Meikle, being willing to talk with a Scott Burney, which when they have rough games, and he's open and honest with them, and he said that on the fast lane in his interviews with them throughout the season. So I, I think I would give Craig Berube an A+, and I, I see on the 314, Texas says, well, hold up, wait a minute, uh, not going to sing the song, but aren't they in fourth place? Hold up, wait a minute. Uh, but aren't they in fourth place? Yeah, they're in fourth place, but uh, this team could have easily been broken during that stretch with COVID. They could easily be in fourth place, but have much fewer points or, points or even be out of a playoff picture. So I have to give Craig Berube an A-plus for the way he's handled this yeah. team. I mean, you could talk about them being in fourth place all you want, but you put them in the Pacific Division, they're in first place. I mean, the fact that they went through November and December playing with Springfield Thunderbirds players and having every single person out of the lineup for at least 10 days, he deserves an A-plus, and I would not hear an argument other, other than that. All right, next one to get to, Ryan O'Reilly, El Capitan. After the first 44 games of the season, T-Bone, what are you handing out to Ryan O'Reilly? This may be a little harsh for me, but I think I'm going with a B. I I think I'm going to go with a B for Ryan O'Reilly because there's been times where we've talked about it where Robert Thomas has been your number one guy. And, of course, it's kind of hard to grade O'Reilly because the beginning of the year he he wasn't as effective, but he was dealing with COVID. It was it seemed pretty obvious he was dealing with the lasting effects of it as well. I think I'm just going to give Ryan O'Reilly a B, but that— to say that Ryan O'Reilly is getting a B and he's your top center, that's not a bad thing because I think it just says to kind of how the expectations have been set for all the players because of the fact how well this team has played. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I would give him a B plus. Um, I think the slow start, it was obviously a concern, and I'm with you. I think to, to grade him with that, you have to put into consideration the fact that he was not himself for the first couple of months of the season because COVID really hit him hard. But if you look at his numbers, he just hasn't been that selky trophy defense or defensive center every single night. And I, you can't expect that from him every single night because that's such a hard thing to be when you're expected to score goals also. But Ryan O'Reilly has been on the ice for a lot of high-danger scoring chances against. He's been on the ice. His expected goals allowed compared to the actual goals allowed is actually really similar. But I just think for Ryan O'Reilly, you have to find more ways to eliminate those top lines. So for me to give him that A+, I'd be looking for that to improve in the second half of the season because I want to see him find a way to eliminate the Nathan McKinnons, the top lines of the Minnesota Wild, the top lines of the Nashville Predators. That's going to be his sole responsibility going into uh, the postseason. Next up, you mentioned him, T-Bone, Robert Thomas. I think I would have to give Robert Thomas an A because he's. we talked about heading into the year, was he going to be ready to take that top six role? Remember, we were talking in the offseason, do you package Robert Thomas, maybe a Jordan Cairo in for a deal to get a Matthew Kachuk? And he's exceeded the expectations for what I think I had for him coming into the year. I get it, he only has five goals, but I mean, he's got 27 assists and 32 points in 37 games. So he's he's been playing really well. He's Like I mentioned in the O'Reilly thing was, 
at times he's looked like your number one center. He's a great uh, distributor of the puck. I would give I would give Robert Thomas an A A plus basically. Yeah, I'd give him a B actually, um, because oh. he has been. I know I'm I'm being harsh here. I, he's been really good offensively for you when he's been in the games, but he's been good in terms of the playmaking ability. I want to see Robert Thomas shoot the puck more. I want to see Robert Thomas become a dual threat player. And by all means, continue the creativity, continue the playmaking. Like, that's what you are here for. You are a playmaker. But Jamie was talking about this yesterday to continue the longevity of that line. You got to be a threat to goaltenders if you're Robert Thomas. Because if you're only a one-sided player, you come up the ice in the offensive zone. They know what you're going to do. Defensemen know you're going to pass it to Tarasenko or Jordan Cairo. They block that pass. You're going the other way with an odd man rush. But if Robert Thomas becomes a player like Ryan O'Reilly or a Braden Shen who can snipe a shot past a goaltender, well, then the defensemen don't really know where to go with that. And I think that creates more of a dominance from Robert Thomas. Might be a little harsh because he has been outstanding on the penalty kill. He's been really good on the power play. And then, of course, his line has been so dominant. But I'd give him a B because I want to see more offense from Robert Thomas in the second half of the season. Uh, another player who doesn't need any more offense is Brandon Saad because he is doing it all with his goal scoring. Timo, what would you give Brandon Saad? And let's let's tie this together. Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich because both were offseason additions. Well, I think I'm, I'm going to feel like that teacher that just gives out A for turning in your homework. But I yeah, think dude, I have. You keep giving in gold stars to everybody. Easy. I, I gave a silver one to O'Reilly, to be fair. Uh, I I would have to say that I would give them both A's. I think both guys have come in and they've meshed well with their new teams. I mean, Brandon saw it. We joked about, oh, he doesn't pass the puck. He's got 10 assists now, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. He's at 15 goals, 10 assists. Huh. I, I the think, BKO. Yeah, Brandon Sod was everything you to be. And Army has mentioned it in interviews with Buchnevich, they uh, they acquired Pavel Buchnevich from the Ra- the Rangers for Sammy Blay, and they knew they were getting a good player, and I think you mentioned it at the time, this could be one of those steals of the off, another steal from Doug Armstrong. It's been exactly that. He's been what the Blues were expecting, and if you listen to Doug Armstrong's interviews, interviews, it's even more. He talks about how he's a better passer than the Blues were expecting, and you can see that. I mean, he's got 21 assists on the year. He's at 36 points, third most on the team. Brandon Sile with 25 points sits at seventh, so I think both these guys combined would earn an A. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think both get an A in my opinion. Um, I mean, to give them an A plus would be that they are perfect. And I, 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 there have been some dry spells this season, but I mean, the fact that Brandon Saad can play on any line for you and still produce Pavel Buchnevich has been the two way player for you and has been more of a playmaker than he's been a goal scorer. I think both of these guys deserve an A for what they've been able to accomplish with this Blues team this season. And again, we're handing out grades for the Blues at the All-Star break. Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario. Let's go on the defensive side, T-Bone. Colton Pareko, what would be the grade after the first 44 games? Uh, see, I would give Pareko, I would probably give him, I think I would go with a C-plus here. I, I don't think Colton Pareko's been that good for the Blues this season. We've talked about it at times. We've had people on, like Brian Lawton, that says, you know, he he's not a number one guy, and that's what the Blues have been kind of saying he is. He's the alpha dog, was the way Doug Armstrong phrased it. Maybe it is that he just doesn't have a partner, or maybe at the beginning of the year he wasn't a consistent partner. And I know plus minus isn't like the end all be all because it's you know a team stat, but he's a minus sixteen. His advanced numbers are not very good. I would have to give Colton Preco a C plus. 
Yeah, that's where I'm at as well, and I think that's a really proper grade to give him. I mean, he's been good for you at times this season, but it just hasn't been consistent in terms of your shutdown defenseman. And I thought that um, Kevin Weeks, uh, or no, Craig Berube made a great point. Doug Armstrong talked about this as well. It's not easy for a defenseman who always starts in the defensive zone to have a high plus-minus rating, but you do expect him to be able to eliminate those top offensive lines and he has struggled for a sense in that situation so you'd like to see that improve going into the second half but I think a C plus is a proper grade to give to him what about Nico Mikola his at least partner for now yeah see I almost went with an A with Nico Mikola I'm gonna end up going with a B I think just because when I think of A think about where he started the year he was the seventh defenseman behind Jake Wallman he surpassed Jake Wallman after Wallman struggled, took over that third-line pairing with Bortuzzo, and then he got bumped up to the first line and kind of took where Scandella was. There's been the games where he's had the rough one like Calgary where he was the minus five and Craig Bruby's benched him, and there's been kind of the little bit of inconsistencies. I do believe he's going to be a top-four defenseman for the Blues moving forward, so I think he's taking steps in the right direction. I just don't think he's there yet. That's why I would probably give him a B. I think he's been good. He's just been a little too inconsistent to earn an A considering the steps he's taken. Yeah, I'd actually give him an A minus um, because I think the fact that he has not been an everyday player and the fact that he didn't get the everyday um, playing opportunities until what November, um, he's shown me growth in the short amount of time that he has been there. And to be able to rebound like he did from the Calgary game where he was a minus five and not playing in the third period to eliminating that Matthew Kachuk line, that's a significant improvement in my opinion. I think he's only going to get better, but I think for what he has proven this team thus far, an A- minus is a proper grade to give to Nico Mikola. And then I have two more. Ville Husso, I think we all can agree it would be an A right now. But what about Jordan Bennington? I think with Bennington, I would go with a C. And I was leaning towards going with a D, but I think the C fits. And I understand that we've been talking about him a lot in the last couple of this stretch over the last couple of months because he struggled and now he seems to have maybe lost that job to Ville Husso. But the reason I will go with the C is because let's not forget, I, I know now we talk about it a lot about Ville Husso's won the job from Jordan Bennington. Bennington was awesome for the Blues earlier in the year, and I get it. He was still giving up three goals, but he could have been given up a lot more than that. I, I think he saved some of those games for the Blues early, early in the season in the first couple of weeks. That's why I'm going to give him a C, and he's probably a guy, too, if, if we were to talk about it, a guy that really needs to improve his grade moving forward in the second half. Yeah, I would actually give him a B um, because I think people forget what now he did in the first generous. half of the season. Probably this guy, but, I mean, what do you expect with Jordan Bennington? True. Uh, people forget that the only reason that they're sitting where they're at with these points is from also him. If you're going to give Huso credit, you give Bennington credit for the first month or so of the season, especially when guys were in and out of the lineup. And I think with a confidence issue, it's something that has dropped off, but I think it's also something that he can pick back up in the second half of the season. C would just, to me, mean that he's been average all year, and I can't make that argument because – in the first month and even some of November, he stole games for the Blues when they didn't have their best. So I think Jordan Bennington deserves a B so far. See, the reason I went with C, and I, I like what you brought up because C would mean he's been average this season. I, I view that kind of B kind of fits that category for him. And if you look at his numbers, again, I agree with you that he stole some games early on in the year, but he was still giving up to three goals and not having a great save percentage for the Blues at that time, too. So that's that's kind of where I go, and I look at the beginning of the season, I go, okay, he was still average. He just happened to come up with the bigger save at the time when the Blues needed it. That's where I would go see him. Plus, I just think, to me, the B would fit kind of the made little strides. Bennington feels like he's continued to take a step back. So I have to go see, and again, I nearly wait on going ahead and giving him a D as well. 
Well, knowing you, you'd probably give him an F, and BK would try and trade him. But that's why I'm here to keep I mean, things right. Who you probably have an A plus for Charlie Lindgren and Logan Brown. Oh, you're damn right, I do. Look at those guys, what they've done. Charlie Lindgren, still one I of the best seen, in the I league. I haven't seen either of them in a couple games, sir. He's got better numbers than Ville Husso. That's all you need to know about Chucky Sideburns. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. We've got the junk drawer coming up in 15 minutes. But up next, our NFL quick hitters, including the Jacksonville Jaguars, making what I think is a good hire. T-Bone might disagree. We'll get to that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Twelve forty-two. Your time check presented by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. With Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Alex Ferrario. As we are, what is it now? Nine days away from the Super Bowl when we get Rams and Bengals. That's right. Nine and the Bengals days. will beat the Rams. That's false. That's false. The re- when Cincinnati sets the world on fire. Who dat? No, who day? Who dat is the Saints? Speaking of oh. the Saints close they're in some hot rumors right now for looking for their next head coach as pro football talk says there's a report that the saints want to interview eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the kansas city chiefs there are three jobs still available in the nfl it's the dolphins it's the saints and it's the texans so eric Bieniemy to the saints does this make any sense to you t-bone uh, if he wants the head coaching job, then yes. But I I mean, like all the best fits, in my opinion, are not out there anymore. And if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I don't know if I want to go to New Orleans. They don't really have a quarterback, unless you call Taysom Hill that. Or do they believe in Jameis Winston? Huh. Bieniemy and Winston might be interesting, but I don't know. If I'm Eric Bieniemy, if you want a head coaching job, then sure. I would. The Saints, to me, might be the best one available. Maybe Miami's up there, but if I'm him, I may just wait another hiring cycle. Yeah, if I'm him, I would probably say Miami or bust. I'm not going to go to the Texans because of everything that's ongoing. Uh, the Saints, you know, I'd be interested of in what he did with Jameis Winston, but I just that the offense around it, you got no creativity op- options if you're the enemy. I'd at least want to check out Miami. I know the weapons may not be great there either, but I do have a young quarterback that I can try and mimic what I've done with Patrick Mahomes at least. Miami would scare me. I understand the young quarterback, but just with everything that's come out with the owner, that's the only reason that that one would become yeah, hesitant for me. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And if you're Eric Bieniemy, you don't want to go into something like that that's already got a PR problem. So you're right. I think the the, the best bet for him would be to uh, stay with Kansas City for one more year as an offensive coordinator and hope more jobs open up. But I feel like we say that every offseason with Eric Bieniemy. Speaking of hires, the one job that is now officially taken – is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Golden now, State Warriors kind of job. The Golden State Warriors. They found their Steve Kerr. Now, mm. the rumors, eh, maybe not. They found their rumor, or they found their, the rumors a couple of weeks ago was Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was going to become their new head coach. That changed quickly where I guess there were some problems with Leftwich not wanting to go there unless something changed with the front office. So the Jaguars... They called a uh, they called an audible and they went with the former Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. 
Now, initially, you look at that and you're thinking, what the hell are these guys doing? I like the hire. I think really? if there is one, I think if there was one guy out there still, like if I'm the Jaguars, like you know, I'm probably wanting a Brian Dable, maybe check in with an Eric Bieniemy. But if there was one guy that's still available right now, it would be Doug Peterson. I want a guy who's been there before. I want a guy who knows how to develop a young quarterback. And I want a guy who's got a little bit of an offensive mindset. And I think Doug Peterson checks all of those boxes. If I got a guy going to Trevor Lawrence, it's going to be the guy that turned Carson Wentz into a possible MVP. Yeah, but he was also the guy where Carson Wentz nearly fell apart of, or did fall apart of, in front of him. Now, whether that was but because was that of the injuries, him or the injuries? Yeah. yeah. So I, I honestly would was not a fan of the hire because I would want them to go with a younger offensive mind, not someone that has been in the NFL and then it failed. Because look, it's one thing if it, if he had had sustained success. I get it. He won a Super Bowl. But it fell apart, and it fell apart really quickly in Philadelphia. And going to a place like Jacksonville, which, yeah, you know, they haven't had much success with head coaches and not a well-run organization, I just don't know how well this is going to go. I, You just what? mentioned Eric Bieniemy's name. I would have looked at Eric Bieniemy a lot closer than I would have Doug Peterson because he has worked with not only a quarterback to come up when he was grooming him and Patrick Mahomes as his OC. I mean, he could easily do that with Trevor Lord. So that's why... Eric Bieniemy, if he would have gone to Jacksonville, that would have made a ton of sense to me. I just don't know if I'm a fan of Doug Peterson just because of the way things ended in Philadelphia. And, and Jacksonville just went through that with Urban Meyer. So, I, I get the argument there, but I mean, like he took over a team his first season was seven and nine, and then his next year he goes thirteen and three and wins the Super Bowl, and and he finds a way to win it with Nick Foles when Carson Wentz goes down. And even though Carson Wentz struggled after that, where I mean his numbers don't look horrible but he was still 9-7 and seven and won the NFC East once. So I, I think out of the options that are available, he's still the best in my opinion. That will be interesting, though, because it, it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of good vibes going on around the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know if Doug Peterson's the one that you want to come in there that can take on the front office on top of taking on an entire roster that has been underperforming. So since we're on the quarterback conversation... Let's talk about Lamar Jackson because there are reports, and T-Bone, you brought this to me, there are reports that the Ravens are looking to extend Lamar Jackson, uh, who after this season will be a free agent. I don't know what a deal looks like for Lamar Jackson if you're extending him and you're the Baltimore Ravens. You got a guy who's won an MVP. You got a guy who has been to the postseason, what, all but one year as the quarterback there? But you also have a player who has been unable to get to the big game with the team. You also have a guy who's had injuries over the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, I would say your your comp with what a Lamar Jackson looks like might be closer to a Baker Mayfield than it would be to a Josh Allen. I know. But I don't know. There's no in-between between those two. Yeah, I, I don't know what the approach is going to be for the Baltimore Ravens. They are trying to discuss it with Lamar's camp. Lamar represents his, himself, which also adds oh, another really? element to this. If I'm not mistaken, it's his mom who represents him. So really? they're, they're working on the negotiations according to their GM. I mean, let's 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 go through here and talk about. It. He's probably going to want around forty million dollars because he probably views himself in that category. But you look at the highest-paid quarterbacks. You've got Mahomes at 45, Allen 43, Prescott 40, Watson 39, Wilson 35. I mean, 
Can you really put him up in that conversation? I could listen to about $35 million. That would put him ahead of Aaron Rodgers. The way I would play it out, and it is risky, and I mean, we saw teams like Washington do it with Kirk Cousins, is I would try and get as close to a team-friendly deal as you can, which is going to be hard on a quarterback deal. If you can't get it done, I would franchise tag him two years in a row, and then I would go from there because I am. you mentioned the injuries. I'm concerned how the way he plays is going to age as he does as well, so I'm very concerned about that. I guess the question is, if you franchise tag him, does that tick him off, and do you lose Lamar Jackson for the future? I mean, is it a scenario like what happened with Dak Prescott where he wanted an extension and you franchise tagged him? But I'm with you. I don't know if I would give him a extension now. I think I would want to see a healthy full season with Lamar Jackson and try and put a team around him with you have all of these receivers available this offseason. And then after this upcoming season, if you franchise tag him, then you can extend him. Kind of what they did with Baker Mayfield where they said, hey, go prove it and then we'll extend you. Yeah, I, be an I, interesting one. I, I just look at it and I say the thirty-five million dollars is what he's going to want, and I, I think that's going to be the drawing point if you're Baltimore. How do you view him? I mean, we talk about the AFC and we say there are what three, four elite quarterbacks that we're talking about. We're talking about Mahomes, we're talking about Allen, we're talking about Herbert, and we're talking about uh, Joe Burrow. Herbert and Burrow are on rookie deals, so you can't even put them in the conversation. But where does Lamar rank in those among those four? Is he the fifth one? Is he fourth? Is he third? that's going to be your paying scale i i think if he gets a deal we're going to be talking about multiple years 35 to 40 million dollars but i would just be a little hesitant of it because i am afraid of the way he's going to age in the nfl yeah i'm afraid of it too it'll be interesting what happens with lamar jackson he's tanner hendrickson of alex ferrario coming up in 15 minutes the blues going on a stanley cup run I think there's one specific line that is going to be critical, and it's not because of their offense. We'll get into that coming up in 15 minutes, but up next, we dive into the junk shore here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with PK and Ferrario. Time to get into the junk drawer with Tanner Hendricks and I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. No BK today or Monday or Tuesday. He'll be back with us on Wednesday. We'll get into the blues in one line that we're looking at in about 10 minutes. But T-Bone, what do you got for us today on the junk drawer? All right, so yesterday the Minnesota Timberwolves had their game, and then you got the post-game press conferences. And I want to play this for you. This was Anthony Edwards, the young star guard for them, that is going into his presser, and he's not going to take questions just yet, but here's why. This is important stuff right here. What's up, nephews? Hold on, y'all. Don't ask no questions yet. I'm trying to put an order in. (laughs) McDonald's. Yeah, there. What's on the menu tonight, Chris, he said no questions. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Tell me to lock in, man. Hold on, hold on. I got one more thing. Meat chickens. Oh, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Customize, no ice. <laughs> that's, that's important. I mean, you got to get the order in before they close. You can't take questions then. This is phenomenal, too. Like, and Anthony Edwards, if I'm not mistaken, he's been the one who's, like, always entertaining in these post-game oh, pressers. fantastic. He's always so good. He's got a personality, but to like walk in there and be like, hey, hang on one second. I got to make this order. And then on top of it, the media, 
they jump in on it too and someone says something he's like hey don't ask him the question let let him finish what's funny is the question that's asked there and it's kind of tough to pick it up there but it is what's on the menu whoa 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 no questions <laughs> wait, he jumps in and he's like yeah let me finish my order first way to go give credit to the media guy in minnesota i, I mean yep. way to step in there and defend anthony edwards you're not going to ask him any questions until this mcdonald's order is complete this cracks me up too because like it's not just him like we've seen it in, in nba i mentioned to you in the break Giannis antetokounmpo from milwaukee he went into a post-game presser the other night with a bucket of, of chicken and he was eating it in the middle of the press conference like We've seen it in the past where, where guys bring their kids into it, right? Remember Steph Curry and his kids, his little daughter who was so entertaining during that playoff run? This is so much more entertaining, too, when they come in with food and they're eating it in the middle of the press conference. Thus is life in the pandemic, but it creates more characters, I think, too. Yeah, I love someone that has a good personality in the press conferences that is kind of fun to listen to and then, and then can have kind of fun with the media. And Anthony Edwards just seems like that guy. There's been multiple occasions where you see him kind of trending on social media and it's and it's in a good way it's not in the well that was a bad press conference where you know like the leon dry side not to name any names but uh, I, not to get pissy yeah yeah well i didn't want to say it but yeah <laughs> i do love i love the fact that and i think the nba the nba probably does it better than any other professional sports league that showcases their characters Right? Like, that's what I think gets people interested in the games in the league is that you showcase the characters. They have a personality and they kind of let it run with it. Whereas, like you mentioned in the NHL, where you, you have the back and forths or the NFL, where sometimes you get the personality, but sometimes you don't. Or Major League Baseball, which seems like they're always stoic, NBA doesn't do that. You know, Anthony Edwards in there listening to his order. He's getting to make chickens and then customize. No ice. I, you know, I can't do it. I got to have some oh, ice for the drink. that's the way to do it. No. Really? No, that's the way to always do it. No ice is the proper way to order drinks. No. By the time you get finished with the drink, the ice is watered down and then the drink's nasty. You don't need it cold. It comes out of the fountain cold, T-Bone. Yeah, but it doesn't come out extremely cold. And that's what I want, especially on a hot summer day. Yeah. So I'll tell you what I do put ice in. I put ice in a cup of milk. That's where the ice what? goes. That's disgusting. Oh, yeah. you put, no, you put ice in milk. There is nothing better than an ice cold glass of milk. No, milk does not need ice And then if it gets watered down, that's even better. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's if, skim if milk. That's if, what it is. If there's one thing that I would not have ice in, it would be milk. Like oh, everything else, dude, is, you're, it's fine. Dude, you're doing it wrong. But this is what it is. You got to go get some chocolate drops from Missouri Bakery on the hill and then you come home and you get yourself a nice cold, ice cold glass of milk. Ugh. That's how you do it. My grandpa does that Tell too, me. and I just can't do it. That's how you do it, man. That is how you do it. He's Tanner Hendrickson, who doesn't like ice in his drinks. I'm Alex Ferrario, who is the smarter one. It is BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We've got One's Gotta Go today at 1.30, so get your scenarios to us on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. But coming up next... For the Blues to go on a Stanley Cup run, there is going to be one line that is critical. And I want to touch on that line next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
with Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. It is BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. BK back with us next week. He made it safely to Orlando, so everyone that's concerned, don't worry. He's got his Mickey ears, and he's ready to go to Disney World. I, I got no comment. Made me made me very uh, very oh. jealous when he sent that picture this morning. BK's Orlando. Yeah. And he'll come back to snow, and then it'll feel better for him, just like home. Anyway, I was listening to the Fast Lane yesterday, and you can listen to the Fast Lane Monday through Friday from 2 to 6. Jamie Rivers, Brad Thompson, Anthony Stalter. They did a phenomenal job yesterday breaking down each line for the Blues. And while I was listening to them, they were talking about the Blues' top line of Ryan O'Reilly, Ivan Barbashev, and Pavel Buchnevich, talking about how this line can be very dangerous come playoff time. They have the offense, but there's another element that I feel like that is going to be critical if this team wants to win a Stanley Cup. Take a listen. This line checks all the boxes when it comes to that. They're, uh, each and every player has exceptional puck skills, and they're strong. Strong on their feet, strong at protecting the puck. So I look at that and go, wow, this would be a really difficult line to play against in the offensive zone. And I think that's what's most intriguing about this line is that each and every player is able to play just as good defensively as they can offensively. Again, that's Jamie Rivers on the fast lane talking about Ryan O'Reilly, Pavel Buchnevich, and Ivan Barbashev. And T-Bone, this is where I get with this. If the Blues want to go on a run and win another Stanley Cup, I think the most critical player and the most critical line is going to be Ryan O'Reilly's line. Because I think the chemistry that they could build where you have three two-way forwards that can beat you offensively. Ryan O'Reilly, we all know, can be a 25-goal scorer. Pavel Buchnevich looks like a guy who could be a 30-goal scorer. So can Ivan Barbashev. But what's more impressive about that line is all three of those guys can be stingy defensively. What did we hear about Pavel Buchnevich when they acquired him? He's better on the penalty kill than probably anybody on that New York Rangers team. Ryan O'Reilly, we all know, he won the Selkie Trophy. And then on top of it, you have Ivan Barbashev, who was critical to this team winning a Stanley Cup. I think the critical part for this line to win a Stanley Cup this season is going to be that line, but on the defensive side of the puck. They're going to be the ones that have to eliminate Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen to eliminate Philip Forsberg and Johansson and Matt Duchesne from Nashville to eliminate the top line of Kaprizov in Minnesota for the Blues to win a Stanley Cup. They have to have Ryan O'Reilly and his defensive line at their best. And I think that line is the most dangerous line to play against defensively. Yeah, I'm with you because the Blues will need somebody to take over that defensive-minded kind of shut-them-down line role, and that's what Ryan O'Reilly's line was in that 19-cup run because we've talked about it. I mean, you look at the St. Louis Blues, you can stop O'Reilly's line, but then are you going to be able to stop Kyron Thomas? Then can you stop them? Can you stop the third line? Because the Blues' depth of scoring makes it so difficult to kind of match up with them but that all kind of goes out the window if you kind of if you struggle to shut down another team's top line. I mean, you look at when they struggled against Calgary in that 7-1 loss. Again, that's not a game we should judge much off of, but that top line which could be the best in hockey with Kachuk, Goudreau, and uh They are the best in hockey. Yeah. Lindholm. Lindholm, thank you. That if you can't stop them, I mean, you just saw in that game, and again, that's a game you throw out the window, and it was seven to one. But you can see the effect that they can have on a game if you can't have someone that can shut down a line pairing like them, or like you, like you've mentioned, the Colorado's with the Landeskog and McKinnon. If you struggle to shut down a top pairing line from somebody else, 
they're going to be able to remain in games a lot easier than if they if you weren't able to because look the Blues have the depth of scoring to do so can they play well enough defensively not just with their defense but have a line that can shut down like Ryan O'Reilly's line shut down McKinnon and Drysaddle to help you get, or not, excuse me not Drysaddle but have a line that can get you yeah. this shut down defense when you need it to help you go on a cup run. Because that's the advantage of this Blues team. When Kevin Weeks told the fast lane that he likes this team better than the Stanley Cup team that won the that won back in 2018-2019, it's because they have depth at the forward position. They didn't have that on that team prior. They had a couple of lines who could dominate you, but they had, it was a four-line mentality. This team has three lines that could potentially have 30 goal scorers on each of them. So I don't need Ryan O'Reilly's line to be the ultimate point producer in the playoffs. I need Ryan O'Reilly to eliminate the opposition's top line. Because if you take away McKinnon and Ranton and Landeskog, yes, Colorado has Nazem Kadri, but that's one line. There are other two lines I don't see as dangerous, and I don't know how they would be able to match up against the third line of Shen, Saad, and Perron. The same could be said about Vegas. Vegas is going to be interesting in the second half, T-Bone, because they are getting Jack Eichel, one of the best players in the game. But if you have Ryan O'Reilly, Ivan Barbashev, and Pavel Buchnevich, who have eliminated Jack Eichel and Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, well, then you have an advantage, I think, for the Blues side. So defensively, that's going to be a priority for that team. And what I love about that line is the fact that Ivan Barbashev is stingy defensively, Pavel Buchnevich is stingy defensively, and we all know Ryan O'Reilly can be. That's an advantage, I think, that other teams don't have in terms of a defensive line. Here's the other thing. You may think they're a defensive line, and they might frustrate the hell out of you in terms of playing against you. But as soon as you, and Jamie talked about this yesterday, as soon as a team tries to, you know, just turn on the Jets and beat them with speed, that's where that line can beat you offensively. And that's where I think they could be really dangerous. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that point because if I'm not mistaken, was it not last year when we were talking about Ryan O'Reilly and David Prawn, his line had just too much of a workload. They had to be the shutdown line, but also the line that was the number one contributor to you offensively. I, I mean, now that you have where you can be that shutdown line, and look, I'm not saying they don't have to score goals. No, they're still, like you mentioned, they're still going to get the offensive contributions in there. But because they're not going to be relied upon to do both, play solid defense, be that shutdown line, but also try and be that number one offensive contributing line because they have the depth behind them, it just makes it a little bit easier on them to kind Kind of focus on defense rather than having to kind of focus on both tasks, which is really hard to do in the NHL. There's one other line that I'm curious about going into this cup run in the final stretch of the season, and it's the fourth line. And I wonder if this line can match the identity that Craig Berube had with Alexander Steen, Oscar Sundquist, and Ivan Barbashev. Now they have Oscar Sundquist on that line, and you hope that he just continues to progress to get back to himself after his offseason. Tyler Bozak, I think, can be an Alexander Steen in terms of defensively. The one is a wild card is Klim Kostin. I don't know what Klim Kostin is right now. Klim Kostin plays a physical game. Klim Kostin has an offensive opportunity, but he's also a liability because he takes penalties. And that's one thing I don't think that this team can afford to do in the playoffs is take penalties. Now, their penalty kill is one of the best in the league, but that fourth line that won them the cup was so responsible. So responsible. You could put them out there against a Nathan McKinnon line, and they would come through for you. They're going to have to get that from that fourth line. I think the top line that we just talked about can do what you need them to. I don't know if that fourth line can. That's going to be an interesting element to watch the final 38 games of the season. 
Yeah, because that was the tone setter for the Blues. Remember, they were starting all the time in that 19 cup run. So can they they kind of, I don't think they necessarily need a fourth line that can be the tone setter to start a game like that fourth line was in 19. But I do think they need a fourth line that is kind of that physical throw the body around. And I'm with you. Kostin is kind of the wild card here because he is the guy that's been in the penalty box when he's been there. In 30 games played, he's got 14 penalty minutes. and He's only got six points and he's a minus. So he's kind of the wild card. You could maybe throw Logan Brown in on this line and maybe it becomes you add a little bit heavier of a body in Logan Brown and maybe he's able to avoid being in the box as much. But the fourth line is going to be very crucial for the St. Louis Blues' success just as it is that first line can become that defensive shutdown pairing for them. Yeah, someone texted in and said the Blues' lines are are changing game by game now. I don't think they will once the season starts back up. As long as they stay healthy, I don't think they will. I think they have found that Braden Shen is more effective as a centerman. I think they have found that Thomas Kairou and Thomas wor- or Tarasenko work together. And I think they like the potential of O'Reilly, Barbashev, and Buchnevich. I think now it's just a matter of building that chemistry and consistency playing together for the rest of the season. Like, remember, those lines didn't change when they won the Cup. They stayed consistent, and I think that's what you're going to see in this final stretch of the season for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, he's Tanner Hendrickson of Alex Ferrario. 15 minutes, we have our One Gotta Go segment. Send us your scenarios on the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. You send us three options. We tell you which one has to go. But coming up next, let's stick to the Blues. With this Western Conference so open right now in terms of anybody being able to win, is there one move that Armstrong, Doug Armstrong, can make that sets the Blues over the top? We'll discuss next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You could you could say seven, eight teams are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders, including the St. Louis Blues, but I think right now it, it's wide open. Um, for, for those, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten teams to, to win a cup this year. That's the voice of John Kelly of Bally Sportsman West from Carriker and Smallman earlier this week, and he is spot on with Tanner Hendrickson and Alex Ferrario. There are eight teams. Every team that will make the playoffs, I could argue, has a legit shot at winning the Stanley Cup this season. Uh, maybe I would hear the argument of Anaheim, L.A., not so much, but we don't know what those teams are going to look Nashville, like once they make the Cup. they're competitive no. rebuilding. This doesn't count. Com- competitive rebuild, my you-know-what, when they sit at 28-14-4 through 46 games of play. This is why the trade deadline and why the speculation of the Blues going out there to get a defenseman is so intriguing. Because you can't say the same thing in the East. I mean, would you believe me if I told you that the Toronto Maple Leafs could win the Stanley Cup this year? Uh, yeah. I, Some people would hear it, but look, they can't get past the first round. It's been like 30 years since they've won a playoff they, series. They got, they got the talent. That's the only reason I could look at them. I mean, John Tavares, Austin Would Matthews. you believe me if I told you the Boston Bruins won the Stanley Cup? Uh, yeah, because they got There's experience. no way. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy There's it. no way. The, the team's not the same. The Rangers. The Rangers may look great right now, but they got a lot of youth right now. The reason being, I could go through the list. Colorado, Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis, Vegas, Calgary. Th- these teams could legitimately win the Stanley Cup this season. With that being said, and with that option in front of you, does that force the hand of Doug Armstrong to absolutely make a move? And is there a move that sets them over the top, Timon? Because defense, obviously, is the way to go. Jamie Rivers on the fast lane has been saying Zdeno Chara makes a heck of a lot of sense for the Blues. We've talked about Jacob Chikrin in the past. We heard Mike McKenna mention um, uh, named completely Mark Giordano from the Seattle Kraken. 
I think if this Blues team wants to put themselves over the top and kind of close that gap of teams that look like they could seriously win the Stanley Cup, I think you have to go get a shutdown defenseman. I don't think you could go get a Jacob Chikrin. I don't think you could go get a Ben Sherratt. I don't think you can go get a Scott Mayfield. I think it really comes down to guys who have been the shutdown defenseman in the past, a Mark Giordano, a Zidane Chara. You get one of those guys, that's how I think you sit there and say, I believe the Blues are a clear-cut favorite over some of these other teams. Yeah, I'm, I've gotten to the point now just looking at where this is. I don't know. The Western Conference is deep. I mean, we just, I mean, we talked about it earlier when we started the show. I mean, the Blues are a wild card team right now with 57 points. They would be tied with Vegas for the lead in the Pacific. That shows you just how deep A, your conference, or excuse me, your division is, but also that the conference is pretty deep as well because 55 points for the Kings, Ducks, and then 52 for the Flames are a little bit off. I don't know if there's a move that the Blues can make that puts them over the top of everybody. And everybody in the Western Conference. I think they can make a move like adding a Sherratt would put them ahead of Minnesota, in my opinion. I would say it would put them ahead of Nashville because even though Nashville still got 60 points, I'm not going to buy it till I see them in the playoffs just because they're competitive rebuilding. The team that I think that they can't catch is Colorado. I, I, I don't think looking at paper you can catch the Avs. And that that's where you weigh the question of, okay, do we go all in on this season? When earlier, about a month ago, I was saying the Blues need to do anything possible to go acquire Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. I've since backed off that stance because of, A, the conference is as deep as, as it has been. Now, I do believe the Blues need to go make a big move because we've never seen their forward depth be this good maybe ever. So I, I think that you have to add a piece that lifts you up over the top of some of these mid-level tiers in the Western Conference, the Kings, the Ducks, the Predators, the Wild. To me, you have to find a way to make a move at the deadline to surpass them, but also puts you in a position to where you say, okay, we may not be better than the Avs, but at least when we when we make this acquisition, we make this acquiring a defenseman, let's say it's Sherratt in this example, we believe he's the guy that can help us A, lift up above all these other teams ahead of us now, but also put us right on that's close to that same level as the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and I don't know if it's about catching Colorado in the regular season because that seems like it's going to be difficult. I'm looking more of what this team looks like in a seven-game series in the playoffs if they were to meet, and I think that's how they set themselves above the Colorado team. They find themselves a defenseman who can match with Colton Pareko to eliminate that offensive line. We just talked about Ryan O'Reilly doing that. Well, you got to have the Jay Bowmeister-Colton Pareko pairing that can do that on the defensive side as well, and that's the intriguing part because as they sit, the Blues could get a defenseman and I would put them in the same category as the Colorado Avalanche. But that doesn't mean Colorado's not going to be making moves. The trade deadline is going to see other teams looking at their roster and saying, hey, this is a this is a wide open Wild West right now. We have to go put ourselves above the rest. Colorado has been tied to a couple of defensemen, including Zdeno Chara. Nashville and Minnesota have both been tied to Claude Giroux with the Philadelphia Flyers. If these teams go out there and upgrade either their offense to make them a deeper team like the Blues are, or upgrade their defense to eliminate the other team's offense, then you get into the conversation of, do you have to find a way to outduel the other teams that are making those moves? Because Vegas is going to be different when they have Jack Eichel. Colorado is going to be different if they're able to go out there and add another weapon to play on their second or third line. So for the Blues to say, okay, they're still in this, it's finding that defenseman that can eliminate the question marks going into the postseason. 
Yeah, if you can find that defenseman that can solve the biggest question in my mind over the last season and a half. I thought they needed help defensively last year. Proved to be right. I thought that heading into this offseason, they didn't make a move. If they can sure up that big question mark of, okay, who's that next top four defenseman for us? Again, I think Mikla is that guy. Just don't think he's that guy this year. He's very green. So finding that guy at the trade deadline, whether it is a Giordano, a Chara, or a uh, Chikrin, or a Ben Chirot. As long as you can sure up that question mark, it puts you into that conversation of keeping up with these Western Conference teams when they make their if they make their moves. If Colorado goes and gets a Claude Giroux from Philadelphia to kind of add some depth to their to their forward lines, then long as you can sure up your question marks along with Colorado, to me you're still kind of playing the same game. At least you're gonna feel a little bit better heading into the postseason compared to if you're not able to get a move for a top four defenseman. Here's the other thing that's interesting, too. It's how they're going to maneuver the salary cap. We are Doug Armstrong. We played audio of him earlier this week talking about how it's going to come down to the trade deadline, moving money around to other teams. The Arizona Coyotes since have come out and said they're willing to eat salary uh, at the trade deadline to help out other teams. If you look at teams that have five or, mil- five or more million dollars in cap space available, you got the Coyotes, you've got the Sharks, You've got the Kraken, you've got the Devils, the Senators, the Red Wings, but then you also have teams like the Anaheim Ducks who are in the playoffs, the New York Rangers who are in the playoffs, the National Predators who are in the playoffs. If you're not one of the first teams to jump on the trade market and say, hey, we're going to make a trade and we need you to eat some of our cap, there might not be enough cap space to go around. Now, I understand there's ways that the NHL can work underneath the system and find ways to, to open up more cap space. But right now, it looks like you got about 21, 22 teams in the National Hockey League that don't have any cap space. And I would say probably about two out of those 22 teams aren't going to make the playoffs. So there's going to be a lot of teams looking to maneuver cap space and open up cap space and take draft picks compensation. So for the Blues, it's also going to come down to how fast are you willing to pull the trigger to outplay some of your competition when it comes to the trade market and the ability to eat cap space yeah and we both agree too not only is that's a good point as well of okay there's only going to be a little bit amount of cap space that these teams are going to take on who's going to get to it first how much is arizona going to take who's going to jump on that and then can the blues get on board if they wait too far behind but also it's just a matter of hey get the guy in here and let's have him build some chemistry as well because Multiple times we've seen an NHL throughout the NHL trade deadline where a team acquires somebody at the deadline and it takes them a while to get integrated. But by the time he's ready, they're being bounced in the playoffs in the first round. So it's important for Doug Armstrong to react quickly, hopefully get a deal done probably in the near future and not wait up till the deadline because then he can handle the cap space scenario and he can get a guy integrated into the locker room. Yeah, that's why it's going to be fascinating because this all-star break, this extended time off is usually time for GMs to talk with each other and kind of look at the possibility of making moves once the season opens up. But I I guarantee you're going to see some teams make a move by the end of February and not wait until March 21st because of that possibility of other teams jumping in and stealing more cap space that is available to them to make those trades. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. Coming up in 15 minutes, we have an update on the Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association uh, negotiations. We'll get to that in our BK and Ferrario Rewind. But next, it is Friday, which means it's time for One's Gotta Go. You send us three scenarios. We tell you which one's gotta go. Shoot them over to our Air Comfort Service text line 65780. 
And one got to go next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is PK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 ESPN. Well, you heard Tanner Hendrickson's Sports Center update as the Players Association reject the Major League Baseball's hope of bringing in a mediator. We'll discuss that more in our BK and Ferrario rewind in about 10 minutes or so. But now we get to our favorite segment of the week. It is believe One it Gotta not. Go. Oh, nope, nope, not believe it or not. One Gotta Go. You send us the options. We'll tell you which one has to go. Text them on the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Let's start with this T-Bone in honor of our guy BK, who is in Disney World right now. Disney World Theme Park Edition. One has to go. Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Magic Kingdom, or Animal Kingdom. One's got to go, T-Bone. So I think my opinion would change now that I am 21 and can go tour the world in Epcot. But <laughs> Now that you're not a child. Yeah, but as a child and being to Disney World twice, I think Epcot's the one that's got to go for me, even though that opinion would probably change once oh, I could yeah. go now that I can, you know, legally drink. So I think Epcot's got to go. But I think if if and when I get to go back and can, I, I think I'd probably get rid of Animal Kingdom kind of like a zoo so it's kind of got it's got rides but it's got that zoo theme to it i would get rid of it yeah epcot definitely doesn't go even if you're young you get to walk around and eat food from different countries let me tell you that is also very exciting but you're right the drinking side of this the proper answer here is animal kingdom it's got to go still great big animal fan but it's not as exciting as the other two you go to disney world for entertainment rides food that's the other ones not so much animal kingdom let's stick to the theme park edition of one gotta go and you can send us yours on the air comfort service text line 65780 roller coasters bumper cars merry-go-rounds or teacups which one has to go here t-bone merry-go-round teacups bumper cars roller coasters this is an easy one it's got to be roller coasters yeah i hate roller coasters what the hell that's, am, the, that's the whole purpose of you going to a theme park. Hey, there's a reason I don't go to a lot of theme parks. I I hate Are heights. Are you afraid of roller coasters? Yeah. <laughs> Scary stuff, man. I I hate heights, so roller coasters, and then going down at whatever the, what is it, G's or knots or whatnot. You, no. You child. I am not a fan. You child. I'm roller, out on coasters roller coasters are the goat with this one. Teacups are the one that has to go. Anything that spins me in circles is going to make me vomit. Even the merry-go-round actually messes me up after a while. Okay, that's but pretty, I don't do that's teacups. Weak. Can't do teacups because it makes me absolutely sick. That one has to go. Uh, Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It is our one has to go segment. One's got to go trade pieces for the Blues. Scott Perunovich, Jake Neighbors. Joel Hofer, Ville Husso. Which one has to go? Jake Neighbors, Scott Perunovich, Joel Hofer, Ville Husso. Tebow, which one's got to go? I think I would have to go with 
Ville Husso here just because I, I look at Ville Husso and if you trade him, then there's the big question marks of, okay, what about Jordan Bennington? And I get it. They have Charlie Linger down in the minors. Husso's going to be a free agent. I just don't know how much value he will carry because, he's, again, he's going to be a free agent. So whoever you trade him to has to still re-sign him. So I think it would be Ville Husso here. The other three have some value. Yeah, I think mine actually would be um, – I think mine would be Scott Perunovich. I think when you want to get a top defenseman, when you want to get something that's going to to turn you into a Stanley Cup contender, I think Scott Perunovich is going to give you the best return out of all of these options. Jake Neighbors is kind of untouchable in my opinion. Um, and if I'm not going to have Ville Husso, I need to continue to grow Joel Hofer. So I think uh, Scott Perunovich is the one that has to go uh, here. One's got to go bagel edition. Everything bagel, Asiago cheese bagel, cinnamon crunch bagel, or a plain bagel. T-Bone, I know you are a huge breakfast fanatic, so bagel edition, everything Asiago cheese, cinnamon crunch, and plain. When I say cinnamon crunch, do they mean like the like cereal? Have you ever been to um, no, a bread company? It's basically, it's got crumbles of cinnamon on the bagel. Oh, okay. oh my God, have you never had one? I don't think I've had that from oh, bread company, dude. no. Oh, it's phenomenal. Well, that's why I was confused when I saw that text originally. I was like, who put cereal on their bagel? That just seems like no, it's got to go. Not cinnamon I, toast crunch. Cinnamon crunch. I think you got to go plain. It's just kind of a blah bagel, in my opinion. I mean, there's got to be something on a bagel, whether it be the cheese, the cinnamon crunch, everything in this one text scenario, or just butter. To me, there's got to be something on a bagel. I, I got to get rid of plain. What's on an everything bagel? I don't think I've ever had an everything bagel. I, I hear was people talk about it all the time. Probably cream cheese. It's probably got some kind of, I think I think there's like peppers on it or something along those lines. Basil, maybe. Everything bagel is a bagel baked with a variety of toppings. Poppy seeds, sesame seeds, onion flakes, garlic flakes, sunflower seeds, seeds, pretzel, salt, and black pepper. Yeah, that sounds delicious. So I'm keeping that one. I think the plain one has to go as well. I'm a big fan of plain bagels, but... Cinnamon Crunch is the goat of these. I like the sound of the everything bagel, and I've never had an Asiago cheese bagel, but I guarantee it's probably good with cheese, so the plain one has to go in this one. Uh, Air cover service, text line 65780. It is one that has to go with Tanner Hendrickson and Alex Ferrario. Super Bowl food edition, T-Bone. You're going to be chowing down on these in nine days. Little Smokies. We all know those are the little, uh, little hot dog wieners that are in barbecue sauce. Buffalo wings, pizza, or nachos? Which one of these has to go for Super Bowl food edition? Little Smokies, wings, pizza, nachos. We know I'm a big hot dog fan here on the show, but the Little yeah, Smokies got to go here. I, I They just don't really fit the Super Bowl mood. Like nachos fit for the big game. You've got the wings, you've got the pizza, and then there's the guy that brings the random little hot dogs. I, I think they got to go. They just don't fit. I like them. They just don't fit Super Bowl vibes for me. Yeah, that's the one that has to go in this situation, but I guess it depends on how those nachos are. Are my nachos soggy or are they good, T-Bone? Oh, that's good. the question. It's a Super Bowl. We know they're I'm not good. a soggy. Yeah, but like how long are they good for? At least the little Smokies can stay good the entire game. Pizza can stay good. Wings can stay good. Nachos can get soggy. So I think nachos have to go in this circumstance. You are. I'll just stick I with chips and dip. Out. I don't need the nachos. I can't believe you're out on nachos so easily. I, I mean, get the nachos, know, eat them. Don't let them sit around. Go get a handful of them. Enjoy them. I don't know, man. And then if you get them again and they're 
what you're saying. Throw them, throw them bad boys in the microwave. That's nastier. If you throw, if you throw nachos in the microwave, it just gets worse. You got to eat them when they're crisp, T-Bone. All right. One's got to go overtime edition. Oh, easy. Major League Baseball overtime. This is going to be super easy for you. NHL overtime, NBA overtime, or NFL overtime. And I'm going to put the regular season scenario into this, not playoff scenario, because I know hockey, they'd go regular playoff scenario. So regular season edition for those three, which overtime has to go? Well, regular season or postseason, the NFL is stupid. So I, yeah. I would get rid of that one. Nothing like a coin toss to the side. Who's going to get the ball and they go down the field and score? It's over. So I'm out on that NFL one. I can't believe you didn't say Major League Baseball when they're not going old school. Everybody assumes because I'm old school and still want to see pitchers hit so Wainwright could hit another homer. But I actually don't mind having a runner start on second. I would prefer maybe the runner start at first because it's just not as close. But I honestly do not mind because I went to a game once that went 17 innings. Let me tell you. That game should have ended in about the 10th inning and had a runner start at second because it was long and boring. Um, I'm actually going to go NHL here. Because if we're going regular Quit season. Trolling. No, I'm not trolling. If we're going regular season, I don't like the shootout anymore. I loved the shootout for a long time, but now I don't like the fact that that's deciding games. I would rather just go an extended three-on-three until somebody scores. That would, I think, create more excitement than the shootout because I think the shootout just comes to basically who's got more talented players, and I'd rather go three-on-three and see who can score. Okay, I want to get this one out here for you because I can't answer this one, sadly. This must have a dating one, okay. It's marriage. From the 6361's got to go Valentine's gift for your wife edition. Jewelry, spa day, chocolate-covered strawberries, blues tickets. Oh, this is a good one. So my wife doesn't like chocolate-covered strawberries, so she would be out on this one. But um, if I were going... Let's just say chocolates, then. Let's replace it with just chocolates. Chocolates, okay. Um, Honestly, I think the chocolates would have to go. Really? Because I think the Blues Tickets is going to create a memory, which is always exciting. That's fair. Spa day, you always need to give your wife a relaxing opportunity. And jewelry, there's nothing better than jewelry. Chocolates, you could get any time. And chocolates just kind of see the easy cop-out on Valentine's Day for your wife. Uh, BK, I hope you're listening to this one out in Orlando. Did he get chocolates? Make sure you get a Valentine's Day gift oh. for your wife. Because we know he won't. But yeah, chocolates are the one that has to go in this circumstance. Uh, let's do one more before we get out of here and get to our BK and Ferrario Rewind, T-Bone. Let's go to one's got to go All-Star Game Edition for sports. Major League Baseball, and I'm going All-Star Weekend here. Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, NFL. I think we all know which one's going to go on this one, so let's just say it on the count of three. One, two, three, Pro Bowl. Oh, my God, no, with you. What it's, are you doing? It's the Pro Bowl because I didn't even realize this, but appa- hey, last night they had the skills competition. There was like no, it wasn't really, it was I like just, dodgeball. I just knew that it was this weekend, and I knew I wasn't going to pay attention to it. So that just goes to tell you how the Pro Bowl usually goes in this circumstance. And the game's just not exciting. Very true also. He's Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. That was One's Gotta Go. Thank you for the text on the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. We'll take our final break. We'll come back and give you our BK and Ferrario rewind. So we have an update from the MLB Players Association in these negotiations. 
We'll get to that next and close things out here on a Friday on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It is 152, your time check presented by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, which in my opinion means it's the weekend. And if you don't got plans tomorrow, or even if you do, make sure you cancel them because from 10 a.m. to noon, be at the grand opening of the new First Community Credit Union in Kirkwood. You can come celebrate the newest branch with an appearance from Blues mascot Louie, Balloons for the Kids, And you get to see Chris Kerber, voice of the blues, and so much more. So don't miss the grand opening of the first community located at 10357 Manchester Road in Kirkwood this Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to noon with Chris Kerber. For more information, go to 101ESPN.com. And our final minutes here on BK and Ferrario before the fast lane takes over, we get to our BK and Ferrario rewind. And earlier today, T-Bone, we talked about how Major League Baseball proposed bringing in a mediator, a federal mediator, to figure out these conversations on the negotiating side to get play underway. And we just found out earlier today, a few minutes ago, that the players have rejected that proposal and have stated that the clearest path to a fair and timely agreement to get back to the table or is to get back to the table, the play the players stand ready to negotiate. Evan Drellich of The Athletic putting a piece out also speaking with a couple of different members of the Players Association, one from the Twins who said, we the players want to get to the bargaining table ASAP to get ready for the 2022 season. Alex Wood from the Giants said, how can Major League Baseball request for there to be a mediator from the federal government to help with negotiations when they literally haven't done any negotiations up to this point? So obviously T-Bone, players frustrated, not surprising that they rejected this. I believe I read that Rob Manfred and the owners have a uh, owners meeting next week in Florida. So maybe we will get more of an update from this and hopefully it can start moving the needle in a different direction. Yeah, no surprise that the players decided to reject this from Major League Baseball. And as you mentioned, the owners will have a meeting coming up. Hopefully they're able to get to the negotiation table and actually negotiate in good faith both sides, not just the owners or just the players. Both sides have to kind of step up their game and get this deal done. Their deadline is running up to them quickly and they are running out of time. And I think this, as I mentioned when we talked about this at the 11 o'clock hour, I think this signaled to us that, hey, they are very far apart, and they are they are going to have a lot to negotiate just to try and get things, just to get opening day to be ready on time. So it'll be interesting to see what develops over the coming weeks or so. Yeah, well, and I think after this, too, where the players basically rejected this proposal and the owners thought that this was going to sway in the direction of getting things done faster, I think this does force the hand, even though the players may not look like the good guys in this circumstance because they didn't allow a federal negotiator to come in. I, I I have to believe that this is at least telling the owners this is not going to be a simple side of us just agreeing to what you want and getting done with this. There have to be steps in the right direction. So it'll be interesting what the owners come back with it because if they basically come back with the same proposal, I think that's when this thing gets even uglier because now you're going to get both sides that say, no, you should do it my way. No, you should do it my way. And you're never going to get the proper answer that you want in this circumstance. 
Yeah, we're running out of they're running out of time to continue this negotiation. I think I saw we're about two weeks away from when pitchers and catchers were supposed to report to spring training. So it'll be interesting to see which side is going to finally start taking the steps in the right direction. We've seen both sides move just a little bit, but they are going to have to move even further to get a deal done and get it done so we can be ready for a spring training, which I think will be delayed. That seems like the inevitable, but also just to make sure that we can get opening day on time. Yeah, and the deadline just continues to approach faster and faster, so we'll see what the negotiations look like uh, coming next week. The fellows on the fast lane have you covered until 6 o'clock. I'm sure they'll be getting into plenty of these conversations from the MLB and the Players Association side. If you missed anything from our podcast or our show today, you can check it out on the podcast, 101ESPN.com. Thank you to our friends over at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. For Tanner Hendrickson, for Brandon Kylie out in Orlando, I'm Alex Ferrario. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. Be safe. We'll talk to you Monday for BK and Ferrario starting at 11 here on your home for the Blues, 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.